0: Everybody. Welcome to the Director's Club Podcast. I'm Patrick Rappole.
1: And I am Jim Laskowski. I am very excited today, as I always am, mm-hmm. to uh, introduce um, a guest who's live in studio. Well, not studio, but yeah. in the apartment, <laughs> per se, of, uh, of the show. I um, want to welcome Brian Tallarico from uh, HollywoodChicago.com. And he is also on the board with the Chicago Film Critics Association. Welcome, Brian.
2: Thanks, guys. Happy to be here.
1: Very happy to have you on the show to talk some Park Chan-wook.
0: Oh, yeah. This is... Korean, uh,
1: Korean filmmaker.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, yeah. we, we were talking a little earlier. Um, like, I think I, I sort of got into film 2005, uh, 2006, and that was when I was working at Blockbuster. and. Mm-hmm. uh uh, when I rented Old Boy, that was sort of the first foreign film I had seen in a while, and it was just, it, it was definitely like my favorite movie for a long time. And then I went back, I watched Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, when Lady Vengeance came out, I right. devoured that. Like, So we're going to be talking about his Vengeance trilogy, and I'm very sure. excited about that. Yeah, it's um, going
1: to be a little different kind of approach for the show, because we usually just focus on two movies, but we're just sort of going to dive right into the whole thing. F- uh, three films of
0: his.
2: I'm era. impressed. Blockbuster carried Old Boy. Oh
0: yeah, no, there was. Uh, you have to understand this. 2005 was also yeah. during the Asian horror right. boom. Right. So anything mm-hmm. from Tartan, uh, you know, the the video releasing company, they had you know they had Tartan Extreme stuff. So they had Old Boy and they had Sympathy for Mister Vengeance. Right. They even had JSA. Uh, really? Yeah, they did. That's um, impressive. But I've... they sort of marketed them the same way they would market like A Tale of Two Sisters. Uh, oh, okay. Those or plus- Ringu. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, I fell hard for that genre. I remember Harry Knowles named Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, the best movie of 2002. Yeah. I went on Mm. eBay and I ordered it from some Asian dude (laughs) or in some other country because I was so deep into that stuff. I ordered Ringu before it was available here. I just ate it all
0: up and loved it. It's uh, and it's still like he created kind of. I mean, if you think Korean cinema, you know what's really popular. You know, you think I saw the devil. Like, there's right. a lot of oh yeah, re- Korean revenge movie is its own thing now. <laughs> yes, it is. We we're just talking about its yeah. influence, right? So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: I I think the reason why I saw Old Boy is you know it's kind of a <laughs> simplistic one, but at the same time, whenever Quentin Tarantino said this is my yeah. favorite movie of the year, yep. I usually checked it out. Um, so you know, it's, his top ten lists every year tend to be a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> I, I couldn't help myself when I when I, when I first saw Old Boy, I was also really really impressed.
2: It's mind blowing. I mean, on the previews for Park's new movie, it says from the visionary director of Old Boy, yep. so it still carries weight. And Definitely, it's as seven well it years, should. So
1: yeah, we're really excited. Um, so I but first. Uh, let's just get to like really briefly a couple of in-house items. I okay. wanted to bring up uh, our voice snail. Our voice, our, wow, I can't talk all of a sudden. Vo- I was going to say voice snail, but it's actually voicemail. Yeah. That's how you say it. We can't voice afford a voice mail. snail. No, I wish we could. Nice. The, my roommate actually has a snail yeah. in, in a jar. Doesn't talk No, at all. It, it, I wish it could. It's our voicemail, drink. Jim. Our voicemail <laughs> number... <laughs> because we really want to encourage you to leave us a message, um, preferably like, you know, after Christmas or, uh, you know, after New Year's, we're going to be, uh, say I say it's like the first or second week of January, we're going to be doing our big episode 50 spectacular, where we reveal our top films of 2012, and it's going to be an anniversary show, but we really want to hear from you. Um, especially if you just want to leave us your your favorite films of the year. So um, that number is 224-366-9528. And, of course, if you just want to contact us the old traditional way, that's directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. So, yeah. And also, really quickly, um, I was a guest on the Movie Club podcast recently. Talk about uh, Walter Hill's The Driver And John Frankenheimer's 52 pickup, which was a lot of fun to talk with uh, the great uh, Kurt Halfyard and Andrew James, who have both been uh, guests on this podcast, as well as um, Jandy um, Stone and um, Bob Turnbull, which was Mm -hmm. a really great conversation and a lot of fun. And this was the first time the movie club also included a video feed. So if yeah. you actually want to see my ugly face, no you one can... can
0: get enough. Let, let me tell you one thing that uh, most podcasts are missing: you don't get to look at what film. you don't get to look at what cinephiles look like. There aren't enough yeah. chubby white guys with goatees <laughs> that you get to look at.
1: It, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, no, it say. sounds it was fun. I yeah. enjoyed watching it. Yeah. <laughs> then so the next episode is going to be a lot of fun because we're going to talk about the films that uh, we've been arguing over for quite a while including Mr. Nobody The Fountain and Cloud Atlas mm-hmm. so that'll be great coming up in February yeah um, so yeah I uh, since Brian is here and like I mentioned he's a member of the Chicago Film Critics Association I really wanted to touch upon the uh, nominees they were just announced today yep um, for the CFCA Awards yeah every um, year yeah this is really exciting uh so, when's the ceremony being held?
2: February ninth. Mm-hmm. Um, location TBA. The winners are going to be announced Monday, and then oh, the cool. ceremony is February ninth.
1: That's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean i I've, I've been to a couple of the ceremonies in the past, cool. and they were a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of want... We don't have to go through every single category yeah. or anything. Let's just go through the major What um, did you awards. think? How would we do? I think you guys did really <laughs> well, actually. I mean, I haven't seen a couple of the... Uh, uh-huh. I, I haven't seen some of the ones that haven't been released yet, like, uh, like Django and Zero Dark Three oh, okay. and whatnot. Um, but just to see Beasts of the Southern Wild represented so well yeah. through most of the major categories really, really made me... Uh, quite pleased
2: yeah we nominated for picture director screenplay actress supporting actor ben zeitlin got four nominations on his own nice because he directed it he wrote it he did the score and most promising filmmaker he deserves it all. yeah so that's pretty cool uh it was that argo the master lincoln and zero dark 30 for best picture just so our listeners
0: know
3: right Mm -hmm. of
0: which i've only seen the master really Uh, yeah yeah i just it's hard for me to get out to movie theaters because very cheap (laughs) that's the word yeah uh Um, the master landed 10 what do you think are you happy with that Uh, i'm i the master's another one we were talking uh earlier we we will talk about holy motors in a bit but uh i think the master's one i might want to watch again uh I'm, I'm it's not so hard to process that movie on one viewing. It is. Yeah, I'm not too hot on it, though. In in all in all, uh, I, again, I don't want to be dismissive, uh, but just from the when we uh, when it screened in 70 millimeter. At the music box, gorgeous. Yeah, no, gorgeous. For There's, <laughs> no one would dispute uh, yeah. how gorgeous it is. But uh,
2: and I read a four and a half out of five star review you, you wrote. So, yeah, but that's yeah. that's
0: not too hot. No, well, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's cooled. I have cooled. Okay. In the it's uh, it I hasn't mean, lingered
1: <laughs> in your mind or really. Um,
0: it's. Uh, I think. Um, I don't know. It's I was also coming off the high of seeing it in right. 70 millimeter. Right. Yeah. Uh, and above all else, it's gorgeous. And uh, I see, of course, Joaquin Phoenix is nominated for Best Actor. As well, well he be should amazing. be. Uh, um, That's my pick. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson also. We should go ahead and go to Best Director. Paul Thomas Anderson, of course, is nominated for The Master. But there's also Ben Affleck for Argo. There's Catherine Bigelow for Zero Dark Thirty. Steven Spielberg for Lincoln. And uh, Ben's... How do you Zeitlin. Zeitlin for *Beast of the Southern Wild. Um, that's a tough category. Yeah, what do you think about... I think what
2: Bigelow does with Zero Dark Thirty is amazing. Yeah, um, that's
0: what I keep hearing.
2: Yeah, it's such an ambitious piece. So is The Master, but in a different way. Right. And Zero Dark Thirty opens with 9-11 and goes to the killing of Osama bin Laden <laughs> and really covers it all in between. All that you need. All the major points. And the way she builds tension, the way she doesn't talk down to her audience, the way she fine-tunely gets you to where you need to be. So you are, during the last 45 minutes, which is the killing of Osama bin Laden, you are right there. You know everything that went into it. You know the stakes. You know all of it. And I think that's an amazing accomplishment. I think she's going to win a second Oscar. Yeah. uh, That'd be incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Um, But... Anderson's got the personal aspect with The Master, which I consider such a ambitious film of its own. Yeah. In a personal way. In a Tackling what the themes he's trying to tackle, even if you didn't think he tackled them well, is unbelievably ambitious. Going after personal freedom versus religion and the themes that I think that movie is trying to convey. Um, I mean, I'll go on record because I won't be here in a few weeks. The Master is my favorite movie of the year. And And it wasn't immediately after I saw it. So it worked the opposite way for me. It's the movie that I've seen... Doing what I do, I've seen probably 100 movies since that screening, maybe more, probably 150, and it's the one that won't leave me. It's the one that keeps working around in my brain, the one that I keep thinking about its themes and its imagery and its motifs and all of that, mm-hmm. and for me, when I was putting my top 10 together, that's what I wanted. I wanted the movies that I couldn't shake, and that's my, the master's that movie for me this year. So Anderson vs. Bigelow is tough. Um, and and Spielberg and Affleck did amazing technical jobs this year, so that's a tough category. And Zeitlin, you want to yeah. talk personal expression? Oh, I mean that movie. <laughs> that I was writing about that movie today too. That movie just is like no other movie released this year. Or that is last exactly how I felt as I was yeah.
1: watching it. I couldn't get over um, right. the, the the grand spectacle of it, and yet it's not a movie that necessarily calls attention to itself right. in a way that's you know like, hey, look at look at my you know my vision in a way that's you know kind of grandiose it's really sort of a just a a beautifully um kind of not necessarily subdued but it's it's just one of those like a George Washington how I mentioned with David Gordon Green's work or a Terrence yeah. Malick and it's it's just visual poetry right and yet, it's, it's 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 at the same time when I saw those opening credits, I was like so taken with it, and I knew I was going to fall in love with it. But by the end, it was like I wanted to marry the movie. <laughs> it was just everything I wanted from a, an experience of watching a movie and I mean, seeing it in a theater. Really highlights that.
2: We'll talk about this when we get to Park. But that movie, you said Malik, you mm-hmm. said. Um, somebody else. Oh, P.T. Anderson. These are yeah. visual storytellers. Yes. People who can do large chunks of filmmaking without dialogue, without mm-hmm. narration, without subtitles, without transitional titles. Right. People who can convey they a story They show visually. and don't always tell. Exactly.
1: And that's, that's a strength. And um, I was, uh, yeah, I, I'd say all these actors here, too, with Daniel Day-Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, John Hawks for The Sessions, a movie I really, really liked a lot. I wish it was less conventional, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it certainly, I wouldn't put it in the category of like a lifetime movie at all. I think it's, you know, really effective. But at the same time, I uh, i didn't think, you know, the way it's told the story was anything we hadn't seen before. I agree. Uh, but I think he's amazing in the film.
0: I'm excited to see Dennis Levant for uh, Holy Motors. I was a little yep. surprised that wasn't in the Best Picture category, but it is nominated for Best Foreign Film. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's really incredible in that. Of course, Joaquin Phoenix for the master. And, uh, now Denzel Washington in flight, that's actually a performance. That's actually one that kind of surprises me. I, I mean, I hear mostly kind of lukewarm, uh, even the, even people who really like flight are, are kind of, it's sort of more reserved, uh, in their in their praise for it, um, what do you? I, I know, would agree. I with know that. you saw Flight. Uh, I would agree Jim. with that. I'm. Do you I'm want a to a think huge of Denzel Washington's performance?
1: I'm it? a huge Zemeckis fan, and I I liked Flight. I wouldn't put myself in the you know high acclaim category for the film. Uh, there's just things about it, and including the music cues, I think were pretty obvious.
2: Uh, you know, I mean, I,
1: Zemeckis does that in the He's past. He's Always done that. I know he
2: has. It's part of his filmmaking language.
0: I know. At the same time, <laughs> like, certainly the certainly the music cues aren't as obvious as Forrest Gump. No, they are. <laughs> they oh, really? They are. Really? But, they, yeah, are. Yeah. they are. But I
2: don't have a problem with that because that stamps it as a Zemeckis film. It's right. him putting his thumbprint on it.
1: Yeah, and I mean some of the things you know, again, just like having like an over the top moment of Denzel Washington throwing a bottle of liquor against the wall, mm. you know, in a fit of rage. I mean, things you've seen before in a movie about alcoholism. But again, it didn't bother me because of how... He is really amazing in the movie. I I won't, agree. I won't deny that it's... I, I think it's his best performance. Period? Uh, um... Malcolm X, I really love him in Malcolm X. I
2: said it's his best in twenty years, with Malcolm X, yeah. Glory, Cry Freedom, those early things. Mm-hmm. He carries um, the movie. He really I think does. he's fantastic. Well, I think Zemeckis does a very good job too. I have major problems with the last ten minutes, um, but yeah. we can't really talk about that. Yeah, here. Yeah, it, yeah. It has a few good. too many endings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think Washington carries it, so I'm fine with him getting nominated. Sure. I think it's a such a daring gray area of whether or not the audience is supposed to like this guy right. like how we're supposed to feel about this guy mm-hmm. are we supposed to think he's loathsome and despicable or that he saved 86 lives sure. or whatever it was and that's not something a lot of actors can pull off they can go one or two ways yeah. they can go oh I'm a hero who's being wrongly maligned or I'm a hitting the bottom scumbag and mm-hmm. he walks a tightrope through that entire film Definitely. and he's in my top five so I was happy with that nomination
1: yeah I agree. Um,
2: But I like Flight more than most people, I'll tell you. No, you and Eric, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Best Actress, Jessica Chastain. Um, I I love love her in general, so I'm really, really excited to see Zero Dark Thirty. Mm -hmm. Um, And Helen Hunt for The Sessions, which, again, I thought she was very good in the movie. Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook, which would probably be my pick out of all of those. Emmanuel Riva for Amore, which is a movie I've seen and absolutely devastated me. <laughs> um, and of course, I should know how to pronounce her name because I loved her so much in Beasts of the Southern Wild. How do you say that name? Qvenzine. Wallace. Wallace. One of the best child performances I've ever absolutely. seen. Absolutely. Uh, Naomi Watts in The Impossible.
0: What is the? I maybe I know The Impossible, but I'm not. It's
1: a trailer. It's a, it's kind of been highly circulated that trailer. It's um, based on the tsunami incident
2: of 2004. Yeah. Oh, right. that hit Thailand. Yeah. It's about a. It's from
1: the
0: director of The Orphanage. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: It's supposed to be pretty good. I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, I'm both. a little surprised. Uh, well, I guess not necessarily surprised, but I'm a little disappointed not to see Rachel Weisz uh, from uh, The Deep Blue Sea mm-hmm. nominated. She's, she was on my ballot. I'll be talking about that movie later, but she's incredible. Absolutely, in that movie.
2: she was on my ballot over several of those people, but mm-hmm. I didn't pick them all. Right? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're here to take you to Taz Tallarico. <laughs> sure.
2: Uh, no, she's amazing. We'll talk about Deep Blue Sea. She's great.
1: And uh, for Best Supporting Actor, I don't. I'm not familiar with Jason Clark.
2: Uh, sure you probably are. You'd oh. recognize him. Okay. He's been in a number of movies. Did you see Lawless? He was in that recently. I need
1: to see that still. Um
2: yeah. You would totally recognize He was on Chicago Code for years. The oh. lead guy on Chicago Code. Oh, okay. For like 13 okay. episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's been in a tons of movies. Usually mm-hmm. small parts. That was a surprise. I didn't see that coming uh, as far as a nomination. It's good. I mean, he's very good in the movie, but everyone, every year there's a few nominees where we're like, whoa. I didn't see that coming. Uh,
0: next, yeah. of course, is the performance I'm probably most anticipating of the year: Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> in Django Unchained. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Um, <coughs> you know, there's a lot. It's just he's just one of those actors who I think is a good actor, but he like he often doesn't choose very interesting roles. True. And uh, I I'm really excited to see what Leonardo DiCaprio having fun and yep. like really cutting loose looks like.
2: A Tarantino villain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, DiCaprio. Yeah, he's great. Samuel L. Jackson is amazing, too. He'll be in the conversation for supporting actor as well. Hmm. Um, I mean, we don't want you to get too deep into Django, but Leo's fantastic.
1: And Christoph Waltz, I assume, is great as he, always. He, we
2: put him in lead, because it's kind of a questionable as to whether or not he's lead or supporting. I oh, think yeah. he's co-lead with Jamie. Um, so, yeah, he's fantastic. I think Christoph might be better than he was in Bastards. It's a more complex really? part. There's a bigger emotional arc to it. Hmm. Um, he's actually got, I would say, the biggest arc of the film in Django so.
1: interesting yeah. well we're excited to see that of course mm-hmm. and Dwight Henry for *Beasts of the Southern Wild I am very thrilled to see that <laughs> nomination because yeah. I, I just kept hearing some dissension from people who thought he overplayed that role that he was just kind of like a little I don't know over the top and I, I completely disagreed. I thought he that he played it very well, like just an uh, an overprotective father, yeah. and uh, he had every right to act the way that he did in those circumstances. Right. In my opinion, so I, I thought he did a phenomenal job as well. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, of course, for the master, I, I, supporting actor, yeah. We I had guess. some
2: controversy there, some yeah. questions. Uh, I think so because, mm-hmm. I, and I helped make these decisions being on the board. I I argued that the film opens and closes with Freddie. And that we, it's more his okay. story and his arc and sure. how Hoffman impacts him, or Lancaster, if we're using character names, impacts him, makes him more of a support character.
1: Yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones for Lincoln. And Very if good. you see Lincoln, you just know that <laughs> automatically when you see it, yeah, he's that good. he's going to be nominated. And may, I don't know if he, I, out of these... You know, if we're talking Oscars, I don't know, he, he could be the frontrunner to win. I think he is. That yeah. category
2: is a little weird. Uh, we didn't yeah. nominate De Niro, which surprised me. Oh, and he yeah, might get in for yeah. Oscar. I mean, he will get nominated for Oscar, but he mm-hmm. might, if he does the publicity. Oscars are so much about who yeah. shows up on The Tonight Show and other things and gets the publicity. If he does the rounds, De Niro could do mm-hmm. it. That category, more than any other Oscar category, I would say is wide
0: open. Right. Everything else is kind of down
2: to one or two.
1: Patrick, do you want to take Best Supporting Actress?
0: Absolutely. Amy Adams, of course, is really great in The Master. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Emily Blunt, uh, I think, is amazing in uh, Looper. Uh, I, Looper is actually a movie, when I, I, I saw recently, that I was almost a little worried at first that um, that the two main female characters, one is a prostitute and one is a protective mother. And it's like, <laughs> well, all right. But, but uh, Emily but as as uh, Looper goes on, like, Emily Blood's character gains so many, you yeah. know, dimensions. And mm-hmm. she, you know, and she has to be a lot of different people to a lot of different characters. And they never feel like a different... Uh, she, and they, it doesn't feel like a schizophrenic performance mm-hmm. at all. She links them together perfectly. And that's sort of... The, the cornerstone of a good supporting actress is to do what you need to do and uh, be what you need to be in any given scene. And mm-hmm. yeah. um, she's great in that. Yeah, I have I not seen Skyfall yet, but... Uh, so I don't know how Judy is. Wow. She kind of just Judy Dench's around. She always another. gets nominated.
2: <laughs> that's right. She definitely did. So her. So
0: I, I know. I take it her role is larger in this than most. Oh of all yes, movies. yes, yes, yes. She's, She's the Bond girl, sort of, essentially. <laughs> oh wow! That's great. That's amazing. Uh, Sally Field uh, in Lincoln. Yeah. As, um that's, that's to be expected, of course. Yeah. And And uh, Anne Hathaway in Les Miserables. That's probably the movie I'm most anticipating, even if it's not necessarily one of the most critically acclaimed. It's. Uh, uh, some critics love year. it. Yeah. And I've I really like it. it. I really like it. Yeah. Uh, it
2: is grand yeah. spectacle musical like they used to make and they don't make it anymore. I think it's the best musical in over a decade.
0: Yeah. So, good. Because it's my favorite musical ever. You'll so. be happy. Yeah. All right. If you know it. Um, well, that's and, good to
1: hear. I'm, um, we'll just go through the screenplays from here sure. and, then and just uh, call, it from, call it from there.
0: Okay. We're just going to do the screenplays. I do yeah. want to say really quick uh, The Imposter not nominated for Best Documentary. It was a tough category. There's a lot of good
2: stuff mm. in there this year. What do you pull out? Yeah. I haven't seen Sugarman. I have I
0: mean I, I, to be fair, I haven't seen most Did of the Did West these, of but... Memphis open up over here? No, but we got a screener. It opens in January. Hmm. Okay. But uh, I mean, The Imposter is is uh, is fighting right now in my head for favorite my favorite movie of the year. Really, yeah. I should tell you like, a story about the subject of The Imposter. That's why I want, me on Yeah, that's, that's why I wanted you to. Bring oh it yes, up. that's right. I, I, I texted you, Patrick. You, met, you mentioned that briefly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Yeah, he threatened me and my family and a few other
0: people. Uh, to me, it's it's great in the way that uh, like, um, Errol Mo- like a great yeah. Errol Morris documentary is, and it's mm-hmm. just it it's just so amazing. And maybe you know. I'm not. I can't say anything about these documentaries. I think I, I the only one I've seen is the Invisible War, but like, uh, you which know. is good. Which is very yeah, good. yeah. It's it's good if you know. It's not sort. It's 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 certainly not an enjoyable movie. No, <laughs> uh, God, no. but uh,
2: I like the Imposter. I would have been fine if we nominated yeah. the Imposter. But I like Invisible War and Central Park Five better. I mm-hmm. would say. Um, But I'd be fine. Impostor's a good movie. I think it'll get an Oscar nomination.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Um, Like I said, I I don't know why I said that. I don't care. No. (laughs) Um, Go ahead and go back to... I don't know why I said it either. Well,
1: obviously, if if Quentin Tarantino writes a screenplay, it's going to be nominated. Uh That's a given. Um, And Looper, well-deserved. Well-deserved.
2: I was really happy we did that.
1: Um, And then The Master, obviously, should get a screenplay nomination. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, yay! Yeah. Um, one of Wes Anderson's best films. Another one I
0: was kind of surprised not to see in Best Picture. It's certainly lighter and more uh, slight than than most of your Best Picture nominees, but right. Moonrise Kingdom, uh, oh. I think it just sort of synthesized all of the great things about a Wes Anderson movie. A lot so of his well. strengths are on display in that film. I yeah. was
2: happy it got it in art direction. Because yeah, the art yeah. direction in that movie oh, yeah. is beautiful. It is. yeah. yeah. Um, that's my vote, not to spoil anything. Right. Oh, it should be. Um, Yeah. And, I mean, art direction and screenplay, I'm okay. It's kind of in my, like, 6 to 10 for every other category. Like, mm-hmm. there's no place I look at and I go, oh, that really should have been in there. So sure. I mean, it's a good 6 to 10 when I've seen 200 movies. It's still pretty great. Right, absolutely. It. But. And, of
1: course, Zero Dark Thirty.
2: Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. Um, and Best Adapted Screenplay, we have uh, Argo, a film I really, really loved, uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Lincoln, now here's here's a movie I just also I mentioned I just caught up with finally this week, the Perks of Being a Wallflower.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Quite possibly the most accurate portrayal of high school I have ever seen.
2: Our high school. Our. High I school mean, are we the experience. same age? Pretty close. Yes. Yeah.
1: I couldn't believe it as I, I was watching it. I, I mean, I know. Not since Pump Up the Volume have I seen a movie like even, that. Just even his room me.
2: and the music posters on the wall. I, I yep. interviewed Stephen and I was like, my God, that's my life.
1: Yes. Yeah. It is. And uh, it's a great movie. I was really happy with that nomination. Absolutely. Really happy. And Silver Linings Playbook, yeah. which oh man, I think I don't know, man. I, I think I gotta go with Silver Linings Playbook. It's I'm a good so, script. I'm, I'm so in love with that movie.
2: I think the script is the best thing about that movie, so yeah, I'm happy with that. Those screenplay categories you just read that's a good year yeah. in film. Yeah. it's a really good year in film.
1: I would agree, I would agree, definitely. Well, yeah, we'll be uh, very excited to learn the uh, mm-hmm. the winners very soon here. Yeah. So, um, cool. Let's um, move on to the what we watch segment. I we- wonder what we watched this week. Maybe someone watched Dante's Peak, but don't worry, watch movies. I wonder what we watched this week. Maybe someone watched The Big Sleep, but don't worry, watch movies. Don't worry, watch movies now.
4: Ooh ooh ooh
1: Don't worry. Ooh ooh watch movies. Ooh I wonder what we watched. Ooh
4: ooh Don't worry. Ooh
1: watch movies. So Brian, what would you like to discuss? That you've seen recently.
2: Well, I watched the Vengeance movies this week. True. (laughs) (laughs) As far as everything else, I mean, it's such a crazy time of year for me. They have to show us everything by last week. Mm -hmm. So I've seen 40 movies in the last three weeks. I mean, I saw three two-and-a-half-hour movies three days in a row. I saw (sighs) Zero Dark on Tuesday. Uh, Django on Wednesday and Hobbit on Thursday and they're all 160 plus minutes I walked out of Hobbit and I was just like movies are too long yeah. movies are just too <laughs> damn long Peter Jackson movies uh, are too 12. long I would
1: agree with that yeah, probably I mean
2: I don't you guys didn't see Hobbit so we don't need to get into it but I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I don't know about you guys Lord of the Rings no Yeah, I'm okay with it well, I like it Hobbit's not good So we'll leave it at that, I suppose. Um, I was a big Lord of the Rings fan. Hobbit, the pacing is incredibly off. Mm -hmm. Um, And it reminds me of the Lucas prequels in the way that he lost his way in terms of bloat and character and... Definition. I mean, maybe you thought the Lord of the Rings movies had that problem. If you did thought that, it's way amplified.
0: Yeah, I I mean, that's pretty much exactly what I expected just from the moment they announced the way they were going to film this. Three movies. Three movies. Three three three-hour movies, one 400-page book is a ridiculous uh, idea. There are scenes that go
2: on forever that you just feel like are never going to end. And the 48 frames per second I think is hideous. I, yeah. s- I said in my review, <laughs> I've seen the future of movies and it's. Can we swear here? Oh there. yeah, of it, course. And it's fucking ugly. Yeah. I mean, it's just hideous. It it's the it amplifies everything to a point uh, where it looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, you you start focusing on weird little things like like attention to detail things that that don't look realistic. I mean, if you're gonna make a movie that looks ultra realistic, um, my friend Eric Childers, who's been on here, compared it to watching a stage play with CGI. It looks that real. You look like you're looking at a live event. So then when you're looking at a live event and there are massive giant wolf creatures that you know don't exist, the mystery and the allure of it all is gone. Oh, wow. Somebody's
1: That will be taken out. My apologies. Usually Um, my phone's on vibrate.
2: That's okay. Okay. So the impact of it. I went home and watched Fellowship in 2D HD on my TV just Mm -hmm. to compare it. And there's just an artistry to that image that's not there in 3D48. Mm-hmm. 3D48 3D is in your face. It just looks ugly. And so it amplifies the bloat of the storytelling. When the storytelling is already elongated and bloated and then you add that to it, it's like, you can't avoid it. You can't, you can't even appreciate any of the artistry because it's so hideous. So, you not a the Super
1: Bowl Hobbit. on a fancy HDTV yeah, <laughs> or something.
2: With fake wolves and giant eagles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I wasn't a fan of that. Uh, I saw a bunch of stuff on screen here lately I liked. Um... Trying to think what I was watching at the end there. I liked Arbitrage, the Richard Gere movie, and I did a animation run at the end so I could prepare to vote for animated. I hadn't seen Frank and Weenie or Wreck It Ralph or Rise of the Guardians, so I did all those this weekend with my kids.
1: How's Wreck It Ralph? Because I'm curious. Like I've heard mixed I was, things. I was and
2: modest I've... on Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, I mean, there's a it's clever. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got some good visuals, but there's an emotion and a heart that's like in the best of Pixar and stuff that's missing. Oh, okay. So, I got eh. bored with it. <laughs> Frank and Frankenweenie's okay. I wish Tim Burton made it 20 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, when he was still a little more edgy. But uh, it's better than most of the junk he's made lately. So, I'm not a Burton fan of late.
1: Yeah, uh, we've kind of gone on record as being feeling the same way. Yeah. It's been kind of a shame after, like, I, I actually have not even bothered with Alice in Wonderland. You don't. Just, just because, like, I heard don't. so many horrible things about it, and it just seems like Burton overkill. Like, yeah. just all like all the worst qualities, are just him, like, um, you know, kind of uh, just indulging way too much in yep. his fantastical imagery to the point where that he's lost all sense of
2: story. It's an awful film. Yeah. I mean, and from, I don't know about you, but from Pee Wee through Ed Wood, I'm a huge fan. Oh, I sure. I love all the early stuff. Definitely. Alice Sweeney Todd, Charlie, I'm not a fan of any of them. mm it's too bad. But Frank and Weenie, at least, is a little bit of a callback to his earlier stuff. And it's okay. It's probably going to win the Oscar, which we've said we don't care about, but yeah. it means something.
1: Yeah. Well, neither of us have seen it, but quickly, since it's coming out you know, real soon here, I'm, I'm very curious to hear more about Zero Dark Thirty.
2: Okay. Uh, I talked about it briefly when we were talking about Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's What gets me is the ambition of it all. The, the, she opens with... A title card that says September 11th, 2001. And you think, okay, I've seen this. I know what this is, what this is going to be. And then there's a black screen. And you just hear voicemail recordings. I believe they're the real voicemail recordings from that day. Mm. And that's the only visual cue you get. You just, you don't get a visual cue. You just get the auditory. And it just sets up the stakes. Okay, right. here's what led to this, what led to this. And then the rest of the movie is just a runaway train we, we, and she hits so many of those key markers along the way. She hits the Marriott Hotel bombing. She hits Richard Reed in his shoes. I mean, you don't see it, but it's all referenced. So you kind of, those of us who know politics and know history know where we are in the story. And we're getting closer and closer to what we all know happened. And then when she stages that, she does so in a way that makes, to be honest, makes Hurt Locker look Worse because it's so well done. Oh, the wow. actual assault on Osama bin Laden's compound is amazing uh, as far as its location. Knowing where you are at all times, knowing where what's happening who's going where you have a good sense of the
1: geography
0: the of it the geography
2: everything. of it it's amazing
0: i uh i i i was i was, i was anticipating this to be sort of a hurt locker on a broader scale it almost sounds more like like all the president's men or something for 2 mm-hmm. hours yeah yeah either yeah. the, oh, the, the
2: commercials that are advertising it as action are completely misleading it looks Every, like a 2 hour episode of homeland everything <laughs> in those commercials is in the last 45 minutes Everything before that, I mean, there's a little bit of, there's a couple of little scenes, but it's more Argo in the in the CIA stuff, in oh, okay. the discussing what sure. we're gonna do, like more the. Did you see Argo? Um, you know, no like references, but you you did right, yeah. yeah. More the Cranston Affleck argument scene, oh, Okay, there's a lot of that kind That's of cool. stuff. Um, as far as because it's all about a woman who knew started hearing the same name of a courier who she knew could get to Osama bin Laden. She, mm. she, she guessed that, okay, this name keeps coming up. He's important. He seems to have access to Osama bin Laden, so we need to track this person down. No one really believed her, uh, but that's not overplayed. Don't worry. It's not like a fight. I'm the alone fighter thing too much. Um, but she kept going and going and going and trying to track down this courier through 10 years, and she devoted her whole life to this. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a remarkable achievement. It's my number four. Um, Which is really high for me, the few hundred movies. So I love. So watch that when it comes out. And I. Oh yeah,
1: we'll definitely check it out in theater.
2: Big fan, a big bigelow fan. Have you guys done bigelow? Yes. Yes, we have. And near darks my favorite vampire movie ever.
1: I would, yeah, I would
0: be up there. It's uh, it's up there with I think I think my favorite might be Kronos. Kronos is great. Mm Yeah, that's a good that's good choice. I I love near dark. I love bigelow. Yeah, but it's interesting to see her sort of reach this point in her career because. I mean, for so long, her she was just a very dependable, very, you know, very talented action director, yeah. right? But um, she always
2: had an attention to detail, yeah, and mm-hmm. that's what separates, yeah.
0: Even, oh, a movie, sure. even a movie, even a movie like like Blue Steel, yeah. Or so, like Strange there's a lot Days. of, yeah. yeah. yeah Strange, Strange Days, Strange Days is, 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 is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm a big fan of Bigelow. I'm really looking forward to this. It's interesting between this and Argo and and Link it. Like it seems like that sort of. Uh, You know, behind the scenes of a government working to achieve something like that was kind of a big thing this year. (laughs) Well,
2: the other thing they all have in common is we all know the end. Yeah, we know the Mm, end of all three of them, and I find that interesting. They're all (laughs) great and compelling. (laughs) Yeah, but it's um, maybe it's almost comforting. Like the slaves are freed, Osama bin Laden is killed. We know how these movies the 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 embassy workers come home. Like we know going in that it's going to end well. Uh, Not to spoil anything. Right. Go. Check your news if you didn't know that's how this movie's end. Um, But I think that's a really interesting theme, too, in this year's movies. I mean, the master goes against that. We don't know how that's going to end. It doesn't really have an ending. Yeah, that's kind of one of my um, issues with
1: it. (laughs) I don't know. Like, again, ambiguity has its place. Yeah.
0: You know? I'm I mean, a fan of the ambiguous ending. Even 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 Django Unchained. You know that slavery, the slaves <laughs> will be treated <laughs> a couple years later. Right, we should yeah. do a Django
2: Lincoln double feature.
0: Absolutely,
1: it'd <laughs> be nice.
2: Django's um, good too. I'm a, I'm a fan of that too. It's a little long. I mean, we don't know if we want to get into that. We don't have a ton of time, I guess. Right? But um, yeah. I'm sure it's good. Yeah, I'm sure someone will talk about it here in the future.
1: Oh, for sure. We will. (laughs) I'm making it a point for Patrick and I to see it together because Inglorious Bastards is almost responsible for the podcast. Nice. Mm -hmm. Because we saw that movie together, and that was the first time I was like, hey, let's just actually review it in front of microphones and record it. That
0: audio doesn't still exist, though, does it? Yes, it does. (laughs) It (laughs) does. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: saving some of that for our anniversary
3: show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. You should hit
0: Django that show. That'd be a
2: nice... Bookend, yeah. If we see Tichanga it in time. anniversary show. Yeah. yeah,
1: it comes out in Christmas, doesn't it? Yeah, cool. Maybe we will. <laughs> what um, about you, Jim? I saw Holy Motors finally. It's yeah, a, it's, a, it's a movie that uh, a lot of people have been talking about. It's been making a lot of top ten lists. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit perplexed by it. Um, I wouldn't call that uh, a negative per se. Uh, I I wasn't enraptured either, though. I, I it's it's a really interesting film that parts of it washed over me and parts of it I was kind of like kind of scratching my head um you know it's this french almost fantastical you know it's weird like this this year um there's two movies involving uh, a guy in a limousine the other being cosmopolis
2: It's a good double feature too yeah
1: and there's like little vignettes in which he interacts you know the the character in the limousine interacts with these odd characters mm-hmm. um uh, I mean, Robert Pattinson, obviously, he doesn't, you know, change um, into, like, multiple characters or anything, but at the same time, his interactions are kind of uh, bizarre, to say the least, with all these different people. What a,
0: one of the things, because I, I saw Holy Motors, and I, I, I actually forgot uh, to talk about it when on the uh, Joe Dante episode, mm-hmm. but one of the things that's... Really incredible about that movie to me is I had the same problem. Like coming out of it, I felt uh, maybe I was, maybe I had bought into the hype a little much about it's this fantastical, thrilling, you know, exuberant journey to the possibilities of cinema. When so many of the sort of vignettes that happen within it are actually really sad and very slow paced. Yeah, there's one um, where
1: he, you know, plays a dying man on yeah. his deathbed. Here. Yeah, and and that, that is. I was taken aback by that.
0: And that, it, like, it's legitimately brutal. Like yeah. That, that. Yeah. Same. But uh, I, like, the more I think about it, back about it, I think I find every single individual story just, just so astonishing, uh, like, and so imaginative, and like, just. Uh, and and not only that, there is this sort of meta game that happens within the movie where you, you as a viewer are trying to figure out what this movie's goal is. Mm-hmm. And it keeps, like, even the way it approaches each vignette keeps changing a little bit, and it keeps... Yeah, like the first all- one, he's
1: just playing a beggar for, like, a couple minutes. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, what's his deal? <laughs> you know, and you sort of find out that he's... Um, more or less an actor, I suppose. I mean, the way the film is set up, it's you know the actual director himself is playing a guy who's waking up out right. of going out of his bed into a movie. I was theater. going to mention
2: that. Yeah, we got to talk about the bookends. I mean, it yeah. opens and closes with scenes that make no sense other in, except in the context <laughs> don't, of the film. Yeah, right. They don't feature the main character, so he's trying to throw you off the entire movie.
0: And and the fact and that and that sort of overlying arc on right. top of the fact that I like find I mean. I'm. I'd be hard pressed to think of a scene I love more in any movie this year than that weird accordion yeah. interlude. Like yeah. that is that's so amazing. That one is one of my favorite it's, things. It's, it's one it. of the greatest music videos that's ever happened. It's one of like my mm-hmm. favorite scenes of any movie. Like um, that movie and, comes alive, in that and moment, it, and too. it doesn't even feel out of place. Like it, you say, it comes alive. But even sort of, and you know, for those who haven't seen, it, I'm not really spoiling anything because it's not. These aren't plot details. But it's a, it's a sequence in which there are about a dozen men or dozen or so men with accordions and they're sort of performing this song that gets sort of more and more lively. And and it's, I don't know if it's, it's not entirely one shot, but there's a lot of tracking shots and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, but even they seem to be, it's not just, it's not just the movie comes alive on its own. Like they seem to be railing against the depression that has happened before. Like (laughs) it's, it's a very much, they're determined to be upbeat in that scene. Like there's a real determination and in their faces, like, it it's crazy and i and it's a movie i you i you absolutely would probably have to see more than once in order to really uh fully you know get all of the uh, on all the levels it's operating but it's crazy to me how it is it's it it is it's com- it's entirely disjointed but it's entirely one thing mm-hmm. uh like there's all these weird contradictions within the movie that I, I find very fascinating that uh only i think occurred to me after. Yeah.
2: I think and, the accordion scene is very much a act break too. It's almost yeah, directly it's an in the middle of the yeah. film. It's an intermission. That's a better word. Um, and then I think what comes after is generally way more melancholy than what came before. Mm-hmm. I mean, before you've got the beast scene with Eva Mendes that's kind of ridiculous. After you've got the dying uncle and the I've, Kylie Minogue I find song. I the beast scene to be
0: very sad. Where it's, he, it's I mean, later he, in the second half yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's I think that to me that's but the little, point where the movie. One of the turns. funniest things is the
1: the, the gravestone.
0: Right. Yeah, <laughs> like Visit a,
1: our website. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That was funny. That's a nice no, throw. I had
2: the same reaction. I thought it was a much more melancholy film than I was expecting. Um but so daring and ambitious. I mean you talk about yeah, you talked about Beast not being like anything else this year. Holy Motors you haven't seen anything else like that this year either. I mean Cosmopolis yeah. a little bit. Good call there. I just
1: wasn't but, sure what like the mm-hmm. overarching thematic thesis of the movie would be other than the moment when his boss comes into the limousine and sort of asks like well why do you keep doing this you know like almost as a commentary on filmmaking in general and yeah. he talks about I mean, like the size of, the, of cameras you think of the title what, and the makeup, what is yeah. the i mean what's
0: what the holy motor it's the right. camera right, it's the right, projector right, 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 you right, know right. like
2: yeah and he's got makeup kits and mirrors mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. limousine that's too large to be real and, right uh but oh, and then definitely the art of filmmaking is a huge part of it. You Yeah, oh, the director sure. getting out of bed and going into a movie theater at the very beginning. So, he's of like a commentary on, on the, character. And yeah, the on the suspension identity. of disbelief
1: and like there's, you know being able to believe that you know you can change into all these different. And there's characters. one other
0: thing that
2: uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The truth of the moment, even when you know it's not real. The right. dying uncle scene. You know he was a beast a few minutes earlier, yeah. and he's going to be something else. But but I think Carrick's is trying to get at the truth of the emotion, even just in that little scene. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the movie's about. I okay. hope film can, can yeah. convey that. And
0: yeah. I I something that sort of made me think about it in different terms that sort of helped me is uh, sort of when it was first coming out, like, someone was describing the reaction to it when it first came out of Cannes, and someone just said, it's the ultimate film festival movie, because when you're at a film <laughs> festival, you're seeing dozens of movies a day, right. and you're trying to keep them all in your head, and you have different emotional reactions, you're going to see indie comedies, you're going to see really sad movies, you're going yep. like, to everything, and you, and like, uh, I, I, not only does that sort of explain, like, how, what an incredible experience it would be to, would be to see Holy Motors, like, in that setting, mm-hmm. in that context, but it also... It sort of gives it sort of gave me a different idea of how to view the movie right. as Oh, a, yeah. it's almost a film festival into unto itself. Well it I, won, I won the Chicago
2: work. Film Festival's grand prize. So it was the best deemed to the best film at the Chicago mm-hmm. Film Festival. That kinda of makes sense. Yeah.
1: And I like that one of my favorite movie meta moments of the year would be um, you know, the the limo driver lady, Edith Scobe. Yeah. I think that's her name. And she uh you know, she was the lead, the lead in Eyes Without a Face. And at the end of the movie, she puts on that mask. Right. And I thought that was a really cool visual image to sort of, like, pay homage to th- that wonderful... Uh, early movie that she starred in
2: and then you've got that last scene which is just so, so funny yeah it's just ridiculous. so out of nowhere i mean we don't yeah. want to spoil it too much but it's like and then that's the end it's like oh, okay. yeah we don't need a traditional climax or little confused like by that.
1: the fact that he lives with monkeys but okay <laughs> <laughs> i'll go with it <laughs> little confused by the fact that, that the cars are talking yeah yeah that but it'd be confused i i really like the movie a yeah. lot I'm. I'm gonna rewatch it at some point in the future. think about. Um, it. I definitely gonna your think brain. about it. And the more I talk, the more I listen to people talk about mm-hmm. it, the more I appreciate it. That's so. what I think
0: too. Excellent. Um, now I saw a movie uh, recently because uh, I'm, you know, as as regular listeners know, I actually I don't get out to the theaters as much uh, as I would like, and um, so I've been sort of scrambling trying to prepare for 2012. Uh, for our like year-end episode because cuz uh before december uh two movies that would have been in my top 10 list of the year uh would have been dark knight rises and uh hunger games ouch <laughs> like that's how few movies i had seen time okay. to cram yeah, yeah. no time kidding to cram. um and Let's i push saw a bunch out. yeah i saw a m- bunch of movies i wasn't too thrilled with uh magic mike is it's 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 parts of it are fine but it's i felt it mostly sort of felt like uh like it was spinning its wheels and Mm. uh i saw vhs which i just kind of despised yeah um but i I did see a movie that i believe came out in march uh back in march that is actually really great it's on blu-ray and dvd now it's called the deep blue sea um not to be confused with the Rennie Harlan film. No. Oh, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in it. Rachel Weisz plays a, plays like a hyper-intelligent shark. Right. And, uh, <laughs> no, and Deep Blue Sea is kind of, a, it's almost a movie of paradoxes in its own, where it is a, it's a, it's sort of the story. It's a, uh, it's based on a play and it's a, it's a play that has been, you know, televised and made into films in the past. It's, and it's, it's everything you would expect from sort of a mid-century uh, British melodrama, where it's, it's, it's a wife of a judge, but she's in love with the more exciting you know, RAF pilot who flew in World War II. And, um, what's crazy about it is it's, it's a melodrama, but it's incredibly subtle. Um, there's so many things. that, In fact, uh, when I first saw it, I, I watched the first 30 minutes, and it was a little too slow, and it was a little too late, so I just put it off for the next day. Um, And the second time I saw the first 30 minutes, like, everything clicked perfectly. It opens with this beautiful and dreamy uh, kind of uh, sequence, montage of of memories and and how this affair Mm -hmm. came to be. And... Tom Hiddleston, I know Hiddleston was a huge hit for people in the Avengers. He's really incredible in this. He's amazing. As yeah. the pilot. I mean, everyone's uh, great. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston's great. Uh, Simon Russell Beale as the cuckolded uh, husband it's great. is probably one of my favorite performances of the year. Because he has like, there's so there's such a depth of humanity and it's... Mm-hmm. he's kind of stern and he's kind of condescending but he's also so kind and he's so it's loving a he's so he it's a very internalized performance he a good like, one
1: yeah he doesn't overreact when he finds out things
2: Hiddleston and Weiss have been getting a lot of press uh, but he hasn't getting enough so that's a good one to notice
0: definitely yeah and um, but it's and it it's a movie that it works so subtly and it's it takes place other than it keeps flashing back to memories it takes place over the course of about a day um, right yeah in which, uh, and this is this isn't a spoiler because this is the opening. In in which Re- uh, Weiss, uh, you know, sort of, sort of thrown in, thrown into conf- uh, confusion and and uh, and uh, guilt over this uh, relationship that isn't what she thought it would be. Um, she tries to kill herself, and it's sort of her dealing with what has happened and what how she's going to deal with it. And it's it's just such an amazing movie and beyond all of the performances which are amazing and beyond the economy of the whole thing where um like for example part of her memories is uh you see you see uh there's about i think it's only two scenes in which uh weiss and uh her husband are are staying with his mother and in those two scenes you understand exactly where her husband's coming from like the full extent of what their marriage has meant to him, and what their marriage has meant to her mother, what she feels of her mother, and thus mm. how she feels about her marriage to, you know, uh, to, to Simon Russell Beale, and mm-hmm. like, like these are two scenes that maybe last eight minutes, and oh, yeah. they give so much depth and backstory without really giving any exposition. They just mm-hmm. talk about sports and tennis mm-hmm. and stuff like that. The and Scene and, where
1: she's pouring tea for the, the mother is.
0: Yeah, the intense. the the, the, uh, the mom, played by uh, Barbara Jefford, is so great in being so antagonistic without actually, like, raising her voice right. or being mm-hmm. directly confrontational. Uh, so it was a movie that really blew me away, um, and it's the kind of movie I think that necess- doesn't necessarily get enough press because there isn't one spectacular scene, there isn't, like, one, like, really good twist, there's not a great big hook, it's just... Exceptionally well made. What's the bombing musical number? That's a spectacular Oh, song. that is. I was going to say. <laughs> you belong say to me. The one would be uh, that, tr- that song?
1: You belong yeah. to me. Yeah.
2: There's, there's that, and then there's another one, Molly something. Isn't oh, there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where they're in the that's subway. right. Um, the bombs coming Yeah, where well,
0: There's a scenes. lot of scene, and that actually, uh, that's the one, one of the other main things about the movie is something that um, the that the director Terrence D- Davies really brings to the forefront of, of this uh, movie is the setting which is post war london it right, is right. like you see people in bars still like just singing together and singing drinking songs because it's it used like people have been brought together by this trauma and right. it's and you know and to see you know buildings that are s- sort of cracked and so fragile i mean the last the last sh- again not a spoiler it's not a plot thing but like the last shot is like children playing in rubble like yeah um there's a that,
2: there's a Tonal sense of doom. Yeah, like it's yeah. a doomed love from the beginning.
0: And and yeah, and just and just fragility, right. and just a sense of uh, of urgency, and you know, the this.
2: And Weiss conveys that. Conveys an mm-hmm. inevitability of it all that's amazing. Yeah. I wrote today, and it's kind of a cheesy line, but I wrote it, that she conveys a woman who's willing to jump into this relationship and the pitfalls of her life, even if she knows she's going to drown. Yep. Like, it's, yeah. she's, she knows she's going to drown. She knows things aren't going to work out, but she cannot stop herself. It's a doomed love story. I respond
1: to that theme in, in, yeah. in romantic movies <laughs> like that. The, inevitabil- the inevitability of doomed love. Yes. I love that shit. <laughs> and there are subtle, well there, done here. There are yeah.
0: subtle touches. Like, the, I mean I, I'm not exactly sure I, I've never seen the play So I'm not exactly yeah, sure which parts uh, Are part of Terrence Davi's adaptation Which parts are in the play But the, uh, there's a part where she's looking out the window And you hear children singing a song And they're singing the uh, the sort of traditional rhyme Of a sailor went to CCC see, 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 yeah, To yeah. see what he could mm-hmm. And yeah. that's where the title comes from But all he could see was the, the, the bottom of the deep blue sea right. And it's like that is It's such a like, it wonderful little moment Yeah it's she goes out there because she needs to go out there, but she, she does not stop. Find, her, so yeah, and she, she can't find, look she back, back
2: her. to her relationship that she hates. She knows that Freddie is a disaster. He's emotionally damaged, and he's never going to be what she needs. But she can't stop. It's it's inevitable. Yeah.
1: Right. It's, all it, all it took for me to get excited was when Patrick texted me. It's like you got to watch this movie. It's totally it's totally like Douglas Cirk. Oh, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm on totally on board then. Yeah. I mean, mean,
2: especially
0: the score. The score is Uh, very, like, just sweeping string sections and Mm -hmm. stuff.
2: I wanted it in more categories for the CFCA, to be honest. The cinematography, the art direction are both stunning. Absolutely. I mean, the first, I think it's eight and a half minutes before there's a single line. That whole opening montage. And then the first line is Hiddleston's. He shakes her hand. She's sitting on a veranda porch chair or something. And you get all the way to that, and you're like, okay, I know the tone of this film. Mm -hmm. It's like an overture for a play yes. or it's like all right you're setting me up you're introducing me to this world and this m- emotional feeling you want to convey which is so rare in cinema these days it's a great movie and I, yeah, and I
0: just think because it's it's more small and it's more subtle and it's and it's more internal it's not necessarily getting I don't hear it mentioned as often as I
2: Weiss got a Golden Globe nomination I hoped she was nominated for us but she didn't make it I, I named her it's getting a few mentions here and there there are some people who think she could sneak in yeah. for Oscar uh, Hiddleston should be getting more mentions it should be getting adapted screenplay mentions it should be getting more than it's getting I think it's on Netflix stream to for your oh, okay. audience yeah so and check you know it who, out
1: you know who else should be getting mentions michelle williams and take I, this Waltz. take this waltz. uh
2: yes. she's gotten a few the detroit film critics nominated Ooh. her and nominated take this well for best best picture well there we go me. now
1: that's what i want to hear yeah but i i, I want to conclude the deep blue sea discussion from a great great man mr john waters who sums it up beautifully the agony and passion of obsessive love and a broken heart are so well captured here that you'll wish you were suicidal over someone who didn't love you back. <laughs> that was his I'm number like, one. Yeah. Yep. His number one movie of the year. Yep. Love that quote. <laughs> Waters is great. Yeah.
2: His list was crazy, but it I love was. him. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I love him.
1: Like that he included compliance, so. Compliance is good. Yeah, it is. All We're right, talking about a lot of good
0: movies today. Yep. It is, yeah. There's. It's that time of year. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I don't want everyone to think I love everything. Just wait until
1: <laughs> you hear our episode in yeah. January. Right, lots to discuss. All right, guys, let's move on to the director of the episode, Park right. Chan-wook. Chan- oh, oh,
4: oh. <laughs>
3: All I can say is Park Chan-wook is pretty great He hit the Korean scene with JSA Then he switched it up with the Vengeance Trilogy He also did a piece for Three Extremes Extremes I'm just saying, sympathy so dark, old boy's got that spark, Lady Vengeance is pure art. <laughs> I really wonder what his English film will be, I guess we'll just see, but for now let's discuss those three. And I don't understand English at all And that's why I speak Spanish, twist and ding Park Chan-wook is a South Korean film director
1: One of the most acclaimed and popular filmmakers in his native country He studied philosophy at Seogang University Where he started a cinema club ...called the So Gang Film Community... ...and published a number of articles on contemporary cinema. Originally intending to be an art critic... ...upon seeing Vertigo... ...he resolved to try and become a filmmaker. After graduation... ...he wrote articles on films for journals... ...and soon became an assistant director. Then his debut feature film was... ...The Moon is the Sun's Dream... But in 2000, he directed a film called Joint Security Area, also known as JSA, which was a great success, both commercially and critically. And it became um, the most watched film ever made in South Korea. This success made it possible for him to make his next film more dependently, which was called Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And it was the result of his most creative freedom to date and became the first in his now dubbed The Vengeance Trilogy. And his second entry won the Grand Prix at the Cannes Film Festival and became a cult sensation. The film we all know and love, Old Boy. According to Park, he decided to make three consecutive films with revenge as the central theme. Park said his films are about the utter futility of vengeance and how it wrecks havoc on the lives of everyone involved. Let's hear more about these three very interesting films. So, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance came out in 2002 and it's a um, South Korean film by uh, Park Jan Wook and (laughs) It is the first part of the Vengeance trilogy, and the original title means "Vengeance is mine." Oh yeah, and uh, it starts off with the uh, deaf mute character who is in desperate need um, to help his ailing sister receive a kidney transplant.
0: That would be Ryu.
1: Ryu, yes. Um, and I had not seen this one since I had seen Old Boy. Way back uh, when it first came out on video, Um, and I remember being somewhat surprised by the slower pace of it when I first saw it, because Old Boy just sort of comes on like, and you're—I know you mentioned this uh, on Facebook, Patrick—that Old Boy is very Fincher-esque in 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 its pacing and energy, and and I was kind of like—it's
0: very much a post Fight Club kind of movie, yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah. just, just that um, stylic- stylistic flourish, I, you know, was kind of taken aback by sympathy. It's a little bit, um, you know, I'm all, I'm definitely always consistently spellbound by his visual panache, and he always does something that stands out. Um, and a lot of my um, exposure to some Korean cinema, and I've, I think we might have mentioned this a couple times on the pod- on the podcast, is that a lot of their films. Tend to run long, sometimes over two hours, and sometimes they feel long. Mm-hmm. Um, even something like I saw the Devil is like two and a half oh hours long. Yeah, and a lot of those scenes tend to breathe and take their time. And uh, back when I first saw it, I definitely didn't have the kind of patience I had uh, with this viewing. Um, I don't know. I it, it sort of invaded me a little bit more this time. I, it might be my favorite of the three. Because it really plays like almost like a horror film it sort of seeps into you it's got this it feels like a sl- like a movie about this slow conceptual movement of vengeance and how it fills you know those seeking it with this kind of malaise like it's almost taking away their energy rather than fueling them whereas something like old boy you can tell it's like you know nonstop action movement and it's sort of fueling his fire but here it's almost taking away. And, I, and, like, these characters in this movie really experience kind of like a detachment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he really captures that throughout this movie. Um, and, like, he really seems to treasure this inevitability oh, that, yeah. that violence leads to perdition for mm-hmm. all those involved, you know? Like, that it's transferring this guilty conscience, you know, and the people who decide to... Exact vengeance upon somebody are ultimately going to get their comeuppance, which is you know a very, kind of a similar sort of story structure we've seen in a lot of films. But it's he just captures doom and abjection very well within this storyline. Um, there's it's not as it's not as much as there's not a lot of humor in in sympathy. Um, the
0: humor that is in there is very dark. Yeah. And in one oh, instance, definitely. I'd say highly inappropriate. That, that actually is like my least favorite part of the movie. We'll mm-hmm. get to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it's one of those movies with the, with the simple plan kind of structure where... It's Elizabethan. It's Shakespearean. Yeah. It's,
2: from the very beginning, you know, everybody's going to die. It's, Basically. It's Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet or mm-hmm. any of those things that foretell bad things coming. Sure. Uh, and it, and the, the tone is consistent. Throughout the throughout all three movies, I love the word you use: inevitability, yeah. inevitability of what's to come. The, all three movies, and I, I don't know how much we want to get into that while we haven't talked about the other two, but definitely sympathy have this. You, you talked about a slow play, pace; it's almost a plotting. Right. This is where we are going to go. <laughs> everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to get their comeuppance. It's not going to end well. There will mm-hmm. be no happy endings. In Park Chan Wook,
1: and
0: the torture scenes play out very oh, long.
2: slow and deliberate.
1: Yeah,
0: and, but what's what's interesting is it's that, but it's also I mean, it, it, in, a, in a lot of ways, I think sympathy is sort of the ideal. Uh, at the very least, it has the ideal protagonist for a Park Chan Wook movie in that he's deaf. He's, and he's, mute. Yeah, he's deaf <laughs> and mute, and so you have such a like you have such a visual. strong sense of visual storytelling sure. and. Despite the fact that it's so inevitable, everything feels so inevitable and everything feels so very deliberate and piecemeal and you have this piece of you have this piece of information and this piece of information and this is how I'm, he still is a very sort of you know, like baroque filmmaker and the way he he gives you that information is in these very strange kind of details and the way he decides to tell that story is not through through exposition and it's no. not through. You know, it's not through any kind of traditional scenes. It's... It's visual. You know, you have that, like, and he finds even in just how he's going to tell the story, like, he finds the game in, when it, as it goes from scene to scene, the way that uh, Ryu discovers that he, uh, that, like, uh, that harvesting your organs for money is a possibility <laughs> is in this kind of funny vignette in yeah. which he's he's taking a piss in the bathroom and a lady is... Scraping off all these stickers that are on the walls, and right. then suddenly two men immediately come in and lay all these stickers out. Like it's got a, it. It has a sense of humor, and in, and it's not. Yeah. You know, he doesn't find a flyer on the floor. It's it's. He very much tells the story visually, and that way, I think sympathy is is. In ways, it's my favorite Park Chan Wook movie because it feels most suited to his sensibilities. Um, right.
2: It's in many ways his most daring. I mean, who yeah. makes a movie with a deaf mute protagonist? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's like I know. <laughs> it's such a risk taking move, and, and and then where it goes, drowning and he doesn't children. Have,
0: and, yeah, and he doesn't have the uh, the advantage of sort mm-hmm. of relying on music to keep up mm-hmm. the pace and momentum. There's right. hardly any music in this film. Yeah, it's, that's true. It's yeah. an, it's incredibly. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's incredibly dark. Um, <laughs> in- it surprised
1: me again rewatching it, just like how. Sort of, I mean, again, like I sort of brought up how it doesn't have humor. It's you know, first you're you're kind of laughing at the the guys next door like jerking off to the sounds of the girl, and then you see the why the girl is actually making those sounds, and it's like, oh man. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of those moments in this movie, just like, oh fuck, I can't believe that. This person has sunk this deep and this shit has taken place. Well, Park
2: is is always playing with audience expectations. That's
0: a a very Hannicky kind of a seat, right? right. Is the boys jerking off to to agony. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, and they're getting joy out of this. And so Mm -hmm. should we be getting joy? Do we want this guy to succeed in his kidnapping plan? Right. Do we want this guy to succeed in the revenge of his? Daughter, and kill the guy we wanted to succeed a second ago. I know. I mean, he's always playing with your expectations and what you want. But to But he's see not spelling happen. that out literally right. through the characters exactly. to us, which I really
1: appreciate.
3: The
2: thing that strikes me about sympathy, the thing I keep, the scene I keep coming back to is at the end in the water when he turns to Ryu and he says, "You know, I know you're a good person, but I have to do this." Mm-hmm. And you talked about inevitability, yeah. and that's a theme of all the three films that I I have to do this. I can't not kill you. Like, it's just the way it's going to be, and there's nothing you can say or do to stop me, and even though I don't really want to. I mean, there's a there's an exchange there in the water where they're both standing to about neck-level water mm-hmm. where it looks like he doesn't even really want to go through with the plan because he knows Rio was just trying to save his sister. Right. But mm, revenge, once you start the ball rolling, I mean, we'll get to old boy, once that ball starts moving down the hill, you can't stop it. Just stop sort of him. mounts and yeah. mounts over time. And that—that's that, the theme of all three movies: the the momentum of vengeance.
0: And I and I, I do want to say, unfortunately for me, one of the scenes that is the most affecting and most sort of traumatizing and powerful <laughs> is the moment in which, uh, again, no no sounds his at daughter. all on the soundtrack. You just see in the background the uh, the kidnapped yeah. daughter right. trying yeah. to swim to the to to Ryu as he's burying his. Yeah. Sister has committed suicide. Um, you just see her sort of struggling, and you realize that she's drowning and what's going to happen. That that whole sequence is so powerful, and something that almost makes me want to re-question the whole movie is the appearance of a mentally challenged person, right? Like physically too. Like yeah, physically, uh, f- uh, yeah, physically disabled as well. Like just. Uh, who he appears and he starts taking rocks off of uh, Ryu's sister's body and he tries to steal the neck Like, he appears as comic relief. like mm-hmm. there's Like, he doesn't even appear... Like, the way that he's introduced, he's hardly even human. Like, you have no idea why he's out there. You have no idea where he's coming from. I was definitely asking
1: the point. There's
2: an auditory cue, too, though, because he's throwing rocks in the water just before she falls in. So as he's burying his sister, you keep hearing rocks hitting the water as she's walking Mm -hmm. along the pier. So that auditory cue, in fact, one of those times you hear a rock hit the water, I think it's her. And then the question is, does the rock hit her off the pier when she's running out there and she falls in the water? You don't see any of that, but you can put it all in your head as to how she slipped in. What happened there? I just,
0: I just sure. thought like the introduction of the character, and again, like him trying to steal a necklace with a like, yeah. like, like he's a, uh, you know, like, like he's a, like he's a, like he's a drunk in a silent comedy. Like that's, yeah. it's such a, it's su- bad choice to me.
2: I don't know if I'd agree. It's a bad choice. You compared it to Todd Solondz, like looking for something quirky and dark, yeah. within the brutality. I I just saw it again this week, and it did strike me as, okay, why is that there? Yeah. But I didn't have as much of a problem with it,
0: I think, as you did. It really bugged me a lot. It (laughs) it almost felt... felt, I know, like, I do feel he was trying to go for, like, very black, pitch-black humor, sort of just uh, an amalgamation or an accumulation of just human tragedy.
2: Is it possible if he's not there, the scene is too melancholy for the tone of the film at that point?
0: I don't think so, because that is... That is the that is where the film heads because sure. when the girl dies, like the bottom drops out of the movie, and yeah, oh, he still goes
2: for it. humor after that. I mean, he goes for the guy with the screwdriver in his neck and the blood squirting—not humor, but extreme. Right, moments.
0: but that, mm-hmm. but not go. For, but there's a whole good 15 minutes of the film after the girl oh, yeah, dies yeah, yeah, in which yeah, yeah. suddenly you're it's looking real, at dark. the oh, oh yeah the and, bone
2: saw in the yeah. autopsy room. By the
0: by the way, there's a, there's a scene also in Lady Vengeance that confused me, and I don't know if this is. This is Park Chan Wook taking crazy uh, liberties with the justice system, or whatever. Or if this is just how it works in Korea, but uh, in sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, why is the hu- why is the father watching the autopsy of his daughter? Oh, I don't know. Well, maybe that's <laughs> is that a with-
2: because it's horrifying? Yeah, I mean- like
0: it's a horrifying but i mean you could have played the scenes say with him sitting in the waiting room and um, and just imagining it well once again it's well, an
2: auditory cue you you see his face and you hear the saw right. go through his daughter's chest okay but i which is just just like
0: and then in lady vengeance they're they have her reenact the <laughs> that, that actually, oh no yeah that, yeah. that, that actually that happens a, in korea
1: that is
2: that's a real a, thing
0: yeah because okay. remember in mother
1: they have to do the same thing oh yeah that's right
2: have, so it must be a korean thing, thing. yeah okay you know, that maybe wacky that's wacky korean yeah i mean
0: it obviously doesn't break the movie in any no. way but that was
2: something i was wondering like, it's it's yeah. We, we joked we were just going to bang our heads against the table when we talk about sympathy. I mean, there's so many scenes like that that it's just, like, so dark. The guy's sitting there, and he's eating his noodles while the electrocuted girl's urine goes along mm-hmm. the floor right. in front of him. I mean, if you think about what you're watching, it's like, I shouldn't be watching this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just too much. Um, but that's the Elizabethan Shakespearean thing we're talking about. Oh,
1: sure. I mean, a lot of people... Like- Criticisms of his work, like yeah. sort of look look at it as being sort of misanthropic and overly violent and pessimistic.
2: And I think sympathy has more of that than the other two. Mm-hmm. To be honest, yeah. I mean yeah. it's his coldest film.
0: Right. Uh, um, I can only imagine, especially the film he made before this JSA. It was. One of the biggest films in Korean history, like <laughs> right. that, like then after, they went to this. like imagine if Spielberg, like after he made mm-hmm. Jaws, like he made a Hostel,
3: yeah, then he made
0: Hostile. <laughs> like I, I, I hear the, the the reception for Sympathy in yeah. Korea. Was they didn't just like dr- it, yeah, and I can only imagine. Um, but hmm. it's
2: not for everyone. I'll tell you that. But
0: I really, mm. yeah, and I, but I really appreciate the way it's put together, and it doesn't. It feels. Very much like there are parts of Old Boy and Lady Vengeance that um, that it doesn't hit me nearly as much emotionally because they're so slick, totally and they're so Great. well totally. put together, and this has a rawness is, to yeah, it. Yeah, sympathy definitely has a Agreed. has a rawness to it that uh, makes me. I don't. I I don't think it's as good as Old Boy, which I think is his best film. But I, it makes me appreciate this a little bit uh, more in certain ways. I uh, totally agree. Uh, it's other brutal. Films. It's
2: mm-hmm. so for lack of a better word ballsy just to, to make a movie with a deaf mute character to make a movie where a kid drowns to make a movie where a woman gets electrocuted yeah. it's just like and then to do it in a way that doesn't feel like an eli roth movie sure to do it in an artistic way to make it feel like you're not exploiting tragedy uh because you feel the pain of these characters yeah oh definitely. Um and the yeah. one thing I've noticed,
1: especially since I started uh, watching a lot of movies, listening to them on headphones, is the sound design is really oh, yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it's a lot of it's very Hitchcockian. There's this like use of subjective audio that I think right. you know really allows us to um, get immersed into uh, Rio's world. You know, like it heightens just like sympathy for the character because you're really feeling his downfall more and more. And you you know like the moments. Of uh, you know, just like the cut to black, and you, you know, it's like having those point of view moments really allows you to get inside the character.
2: The and cinematography then, is great. Oh, it sympathy. is absolutely in all of his films. All no. but sympathy yeah, but, has a ton of overhead shots, yeah. especially like by the river mm-hmm, where he's burying mm-hmm. her, and he, he's overhead constantly in that movie. Uh, kind of, I mean, not to get too pretentious, but giving us a god's eye view of what's happening, allowing us sure. to judge what's going on, what we think should happen.
0: Yeah, he, th- that is another sort of trick this movie pulls off. Is it knows exactly when to put us in a character's head, and it knows yeah. exactly when to be go objective. Right, and it transfers. You know, it and it's mostly following Ryu, and then all of a sudden it's uh, following um, Park. Park, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It transfers protagonists mm-hmm. and 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 audience desires to what we. I mean we talk about moral gray areas you want him to save his sister and then he kills a kid through his right. own inaction so as far as moral codes as an audience member as to what you want to see happen he's totally effing with you yeah and then of course ways. the
1: very end of feels uh, inevitable as well yeah. and I, I would say i was, I was surprised the, because i think
0: the ending of sympathy, i think the ending of this film is a little it feels a little pat and ironic like
2: it's a Twilight Zone ending, yeah. And,
0: right. and compared to sort of the emotional inevitability of everything that comes before, I I would be more happy if it just. But I kind of knew
1: once you know uh, his Ryu's girlfriend said that. But I, th- I, think, I did. Was, you? I, you, sh- I think the first
0: I time because I think I think it. Like, you remember Because it, it, it mocks yeah. her. Yeah. It, like throughout the whole movie, like. She's handing out flyers yeah, right. saying a smash cap. I didn't cap. see that like, yeah. So see the fact that... I think it's only, like the twist is that she is actually part of an anarchist... Well, once he he I
2: think it's the... supposed to be darkly humorous. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. you are supposed to think, Oh, she's full of shit. She's not right. doing anything. Yeah. And then, oh, hey, look. They really did <laughs> yeah. kill him.
1: So, but I feel like he would have gone for that sort of um, ironic twist. Or at least, you know, because he's, he's enacted his revenge, he's going to get some sort of comeuppance. And once I saw that truck coming... I just knew it. That is the, <laughs> like, other, that is the other strange thing,
0: um, in the like, despite the fact that it's so black and it feels just uh, so tragic, like the fact that everybody gets their comeuppance, um, it almost makes it feel moralistic in a way that the other films don't feel. Like, mm-hmm. I think the I think Old Boy and Lady Vengeance, uh, they feel a lot more ambiguous as to, uh as to how we're supposed to feel about these endings, and is this a happy ending or is this a...
2: I don't see how Old Boy's a happy ending, but we'll get there, I guess.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, I, feel the, weird. I, w- I would I say, I say the. I, I would definitely say feel weird about it. It's ending. it's definitely not a. It's it's the eternal it's the eternal sunshine of the mm-hmm. spotless mind at the end Maybe. of Old <laughs> Boy. It's
2: um, <laughs> um, and even that's up for debate. Um, I see what you again, mean. Again, though, amb- it's ambiguous, but it's not.
0: It's certainly not moralistic. Like it's, it's more cut and dry. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and everybody uh, dies. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have like to Like you other said, two. like you said, it's more Shakespearean, right? In uh, whereas in Old Boy and Lady Vengeance, what the characters do with the things they have done is left largely to them.
2: Old Boy's more Greek.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. He's, yeah. he's dealing with ancient. He's dealing with uh, ancient forms. That's too. right.
4: <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, I,
1: I feel like you know. Again, we we talked about this with Clouseau. I mean, having those endings, they can sort of. Seem ironic, but I think he's he's sort of touching like on the inherent absurd absurdity of it all as well. Like you did yeah.
2: Clouseau recently, and the end of wages of fear. Which yeah. is just ridiculous. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is. It makes me laugh every time. Uh, Sympathy's kind of got that same ending. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let's throw the truck off the cliff. Let's yeah, it,
0: the it, I think it works better here than, than yeah, wages, wages of fear. But yeah. but it's definitely the same sort of thing. Where the it's fatalism I'm, of it all. Yeah. Right, the fatalism it all. That's yeah. a really good way to put it. Definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, and just, I love the way he uh, shoots Korea here, uh, as opposed to the other two films. It feels so much more deserted, like, yeah. especially the... It's like parking There's garages. There's a lot of wide open yeah, spaces. Yeah. yeah, parking garages streams. and streams, mm-hmm. and he I lo- mean, part, I'm sure part of that is just, he doesn't have the budget to shoot.
2: It's true. The budget raised with each movie, for sure. Yeah. Watching all three, and we'll get into this a little bit. I was impressed with his motif of nature. I mean, you've got the water oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. the stream in Sympathy, the rain in Old Boy, the snow at the end in Old Boys. When I think of Lady Vengeance, I think of snow, and then sure. that's inevitability—the forces of nature, the cycles of, of time. Uh, sympathy's filled with water. I mean, they spend half the movie in or by that river, uh, and and that, so that's clearly a visual motif he's using to increase his theme of things cycle things move forward we can't stop it yeah in all three movies he's a Excellent definitely point. a visually daring filmmaker mm-hmm. there's no getting around it um so many of the compositions and sympathy are things you think how do he think of that why do he think of that and then before you know it you're on to something yeah. else mm-hmm. like i mean you, you s- don't even have time to digest what you just watched the guy's blood shooting a, out of his neck after yeah. he was the electrocution of his prisoner I, I would say that's
0: more true emperor. with with old boy yeah. as far as inventive touches per minute oh yeah <laughs> the yeah. rate of invent- but it's it's very true in all of his films there's it's just Lee. he always approaches things mm-hmm. always approaches scenes in a very kind of sideways way that you never expect even though you know what's going to happen
2: right sympathy is his most basically straightforward chronological yeah, story. right. I mean, Lady jumps around chronologically so much you can't keep really track of where There's it's a, going for a
0: while. Yeah, I, I struggle with it in that regard. At
2: times, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I, I would say the way and the way he combines this sort of, like you said, uh, like misconnections and misunderstandings yeah. and everything, but the way he sort of ties that to dark humor, it almost feels like way before A Woman, a Gun, and a Noodle Shop, uh, like the first kind of, uh, asian Cohen brothers kind of oh. uh remake like it feel it's very much a blood simple uh fargo kind of a oh, movie totally mm-hmm.
2: totally the, there's a lot of dark korean films being made lately the yeah. works of bong joon ho memories of murder oh yeah um i saw the devil the chaser isn't that a korean film yeah that's mm-hmm. a really good movie i haven't
1: seen that but i it's wanted good. to
2: uh, and they're all just brutal yeah, movies. Mother is one of it my re- favorites too. It reminds yeah. me of like late '70s American films. And here,
0: oh, oh here, yeah, here's something else I noticed sure. uh, about the this Vengeance trilogy. And of course, it's it's obviously more pointed in uh, JSA, but he actually one of the more interesting things. It never dominates any of any one of his films, but he's always very interested in class, oh, um, yeah. like class differences, like the the mm. idea that. The idea that that they're robbing a rich, that they're kidnapping from a totally. rich person, right. is most of how they justify the way the, the idea disgruntled of the healthcare, got know, fired. it's you know about the healthcare system, and how they're struggling to make a wage, and yeah. like um and the, that you know that that comes out in old boy as well. well where of the, course,
2: the villain has to be a billionaire for old boy, <laughs> boy to work. Yeah. <laughs> so that matters. Yeah, and, there's there's definite class issues.
0: Yeah, I mean, and of course because jsa is a explicitly political film it's sort of that that sort of comes out more but for 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 uh, movies that seem so uh sort of uh what's the like very basic and very kind of primal like he does have a little bit of a sort of class yeah social commentary Mm -hmm. as well that Um, I found it interesting that I'd never noticed the other times I'd seen them. Well, all
2: three films also share the theme of family and how family ties and family tragedy will lead us to bad decisions. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a major part of it. Same with Mother, of (laughs) course. in, in, in,
0: In Lady Vengeance, you know, like when certain characters have been introduced, you know, oh, they have to be the father of so and so or they have to be the dog. Everyone's gotta be related. Yeah, they have it has it's all very incestual. Well after yeah. you've seen Old Boy. <laughs> after you've <laughs> seen <laughs> Old Boy, Old you Boy. know yeah.
2: you look at Lady Vengeance it's much different after you've seen Old Boy.
3: That
0: <laughs> that guy's probably that guy's
3: sister. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um I so uh I think uh might be time to talk about Old Boy now. Let's oh yeah it. let's do it. Which excited um if sympathy for Mr Vengeance you know took Korean audiences uh yeah. you know by surprise I don't know if anyone could have possibly expected "Old Boy," which is like it to me. It almost feels like if you wanted, if if in the future you want to tell someone what were the aughts in as far as cinema goes, what what like what defines the aughts? The same way I would probably show Pulp Fiction to sort of the 90s. define the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like "Old Boy" feels yeah. so such a post Fight Club kind of movie. There's a lot of use of digital effects not to create. Uh, anything, but in order to composite scenes, so you could tell a story differently and in and, right. and to, in different visual ways, you know, it's there's it's so fast paced and it's so slick, but it's but it, it is like it nothing ever happens exactly the way you would expect, and of course, what sort of bolsters old boy and what sort of makes it work so amazingly well are the dual performance of, of Min Sik Choi as Odesu, who. Is incredible. Oh, yeah, like the amount yeah. of it is it's, the weight loss in Kane Yeah, it's just me, it's uh-huh. just the weight loss. The amount of different roles he mm-hmm. has to play within this character. The amount of different emotions to visit. The, phys- the physicality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the stunt work of like of that of that hallway fight scene. And Legendary. The, and the facial expressions and just and the internal life and sort of the extra like it's an incredible performance and which this time watching it I was kind of surprised that I don't think it's necessarily matched in caliber but it's certainly matched in effectiveness by GTU uh, as Wu Lee mm-hmm. the the villain yeah. who is so charismatic mm-hmm. and the and he's he's so handsome but so threatening in a way that is entirely not physical but there's something very intimidating about him all the same which is because the way he gets the best of Odesu is not physical at all. It's all mental. Yeah. Right. And he's so perfectly cast and... Very nonchalant. And despite <laughs> the fact that he's so handsome when he smiles, there's something just so creepy oh, yeah. about him. He's so great. And those... And I think even more so than than, uh, than the other two films, like... This movie really comes to life. It's like what saves it from—I mean, I—I I, I say that's not—that's the wrong term because there's a lot that saves it from being an empty exercise. But sort of what gives it its heart and soul, despite being so slick and so fast-paced, um, and and so just on the surface entertaining, are these two performances. Right. Um, they're just so amazing, <laughs> uh, you know. And you think of you think of just. The what he goes through when he's sort of feral when he first comes out. Right. It's incredible and he's and the physicality like Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is extremely violent, but there's not an actual lot of Action choreographed right. action. Right. It's it's
1: very slow with the violence and the way it's delivered. Whereas, Whereas the just the
0: fight the first fight scene with the gang members. Yeah. With, with Odysseus, that's oh, yeah, really yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, of course, the hallway scene is one of the more famous scenes of that decade. The physicality of the end, that. That. when yeah. he cuts
2: his tongue off, that whole long sequence at the end when he confesses and cries and yeah, realizes and just, what's happening, and he's throwing himself at his yeah. feet. It, the acting there is incredible. It's just amazing.
0: The, I mean, yeah, it takes a great actor to sell. And this is actually like you know in in the film Three Extremes, uh, which is a which is a compile which is an anthology horror film that had uh, d- different short films from different Asian nations. Park Chan Wook's uh, film in it cut. It has sort of a moment at the end where when realized what he has done, uh, the director like snaps and loses it and then starts mm-hmm. acting crazy. Mm-hmm. And you never buy it. And I, I mean I never buy it in that movie. It's just it's so silly, but. There are similar leaps in Old Boy with him sort of barking and acting like a dog and look, I'm wagging my tail. Right, that right. Could, have, could have easily have broken the.
2: Well, we've gone through so much before we got there. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's part of it too. It's yeah. the storytelling and the filmmaking that get us to that point. I mean, you talk about when he gets out and the feral right before that action scene. There's a moment there on the roof where he meets the guy with the dog, um, where we talked about inevitability with sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, where you know he could just walk away at that point. He could walk away and not ask any questions, and he's free and go live his life. But he throws the guy off the roof. You see him fall off the roof. In the, he, next, uh, the, the, no, the guy yeah, yeah, jumps. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, the guy yeah, jumps. Yeah, yeah, he jumps. Yeah, yeah, he jumps. And he walks away smiling, and you know, all right, whatever it takes at this point, I'm going to film this What's incredible yeah.
0: about that is he does have an arc, and this is something I actually had forgotten, is that I, I, you know, I think maybe the first half of the movie, just by nature of how visceral and exciting it is, it's probably more memorable um, than the sort of more slower emotional, like, later half as he's sort of uncovering the actual... Falling in love with his
2: daughter.
0: Yeah, and the actual plot and all that. But... Spoiler! Odeson goes (laughs) through an arc where, I mean, he has whole notebook's wrist of all the people he wronged and all the horrible things he's done. Right. And... He's still, like, he's so insensitive to that guy who's about to kill himself. Who, yeah. And it's not that he can't even register it because he, the guy like, who's about empathy. to kill himself, says, uh, has that line, even though I'm no better than a beast, don't deserve to live. And that clearly touches Odesu, but he's so insensitive right. that. Right. He's not paying any he attention. He does not pay attention nope. to when that guy kills himself. That's what I'm and saying. again, it's, there's that collateral damage that, you do, that he never doesn't even think about.
2: And that's the theme of the movie the right. idea mm-hmm. that you're not asking the right questions. You're not. Asking why was I put away for? Why was I in there for 15 years? Why? Who who did I wrong? Where did that? You're you're looking in the wrong direction when you're looking for vengeance. Is the theme for old boy? And here in this
1: movie, it's spelled out to you. Right. Yeah. And that's that's like I know this is a whole different beast. I know this is a different movie, and I don't mind that. And in fact, like rewatching these movies all together, they're just completely different animals, and that's what I kind of enjoyed. Like mm-hmm. if they'd all been exactly the same, then it would be you know kind of like rehashed. It's a thematic it. trilogy. Yeah, it's a thematic trilogy, and you know it's great that he changes up the styles for mm-hmm. each for each film. And but not even just style of filmmaking; his approach to right. the themes yeah. are different. but this is yeah. like a cinematic thrill ride. Right? Like you know, the, the yeah. color palettes.
2: A, it's an action movie.
1: Yeah, and you know, just a, just it's a visual tour de force of like I've never seen. Yeah. Some of these shots, like it, it feels like uh, just kind of like. A, like a like a waltz, a, a credible cacophony of just different things going on visually, and, and in the same way, I like I get that sort of visceral rush that you know something like Enter the Void might have given me. Mm-hmm. Just like the cinematography really gets me excited, and uh, you know through. I mean, like the storyline gets. It's such a ridiculous plot, <laughs> you know. Like it's it's soap opera esque in sure. where it goes. It's
2: Greek tragedy. It is.
1: It definitely is. And at, you know, once we get to the big grand epiphany of the movie, and we sort of realize what what what's been taking place. I'm always, like, kind of rolling my eyes, but at the same time, I I do feel bad for the guy. (laughs) It's like... You have to. You know, it's it's unreal what he's gone through, but at the same time, like, that's so that's how you exact revenge, you know, locking up this guy for 15 years and making you sleep with your daughter, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, just, it's, like, infused with this incestuous tone to it by the end, and it's like, you know, it's... It's a movie that, like, embodies this physical brutality more than anything that I can, like, recall. Like, you know, it has that appalling psychological affliction that you get in something like Sympathy. But here it's just... There's that connection between mind and body, but yet it's, like, soap opera and little film noir because you have the narration, but it's filtered through that incestuous lens by the end. And yet... um, I think it's one of those movies that I watch for the sheer pleasure of the cinema filmmaking, <laughs> the, filmmaking. The, the filmmaking process more than like getting really into the story I think
0: hmm I would say yeah, I would say it's probably of the three it's the most shallow, but yeah, I had always considered it to just be pure cinema pleasure and always thought it was it didn't have a lot going on underneath oh, and right. this time I watched it, I actually appreciated it more on that level as far as uh, like I said, the arc that Odesu goes through. Right.
1: Oh, sure, I, I can I can recognize that arc
2: and the pitfalls of vengeance. Mm-hmm. The idea that you need to concentrate on the right things. And you I just think to watching right sympathy
1: questions. first, like, sort of infused me with that satisfaction of that theme so effectively, more <laughs> on an emotional level.
2: But is, in a lot of ways, much more cut and dry. As we yeah. said, everybody gets their comeuppance or what they deserve. The end of Old right. Boy. He opens that box, and what's in that box is not anything he can predict or sure. handle or deal with or even consider. It's not it's not someone slicing your Achilles tendon in a river. It's not a physical act. Mm-hmm. It is a, I've been planning this for 15 years, <laughs> and I have ruined your life. You're going to have to go fry your brain, and maybe that won't even work. To, to give yeah, you that's what you've that's the done. thing about the ending. I'm not the ending is very ambiguous. Yeah, as to whether I'm not too or not clear.
1: It, on like, what does that smile mean at the very
0: end? What for do you him? think?
2: What's your opinion? Does he remember?
0: No, I think mm. no, because throughout the movie, there's the there was the poster that it was in his room. Smile yeah. and the world yep. smiles mm. with you. Weep and you weep alone. Okay, and when he first when he's first leaving the prison, he's <coughs> smiling and he's. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole film is him sort of willfully trying to not acknowledge any, uh, you know, it's it, it, and it becomes harder for him to not acknowledge the emotional side of what he's doing. He is turned into this machine that it has one purpose, and right. that's revenge. And whenever he's fighting with the hammer and he's torturing the guy with mm-hmm. the teeth, all whenever he, all, whenever
2: he's he, ignoring the bigger issues, yeah, concentrating on which is the problem.
0: Yeah, so I think the smile at the end implies that his brain has been successfully wiped, and that huh. he won't remember later. But it's a
2: very pained smile. It's it a is. smile that turns to a grimace and almost. Well, tears. I think
0: because I think it's it's not
2: the same as the smile when he comes out of the prison.
0: Oh, no, I I thought it was very similar. No, Maybe no, I didn't... no, no,
2: i uh, It's very. It's it is at first, and then it kind of turns down, and you can almost see tears in his eyes. And yeah. there's a definite implication that things aren't. That's what I would it's say. It's not a pure smile. There's no way. So mm-hmm. that, and but Park has said in interviews that he left it open for interpretation. He doesn't sure. want. To, he didn't want to put a period on this story.
1: Right. Want which I to which I admire. Yeah. I definitely like that.
0: I would. I will say there's one of the amazing like any thriller is if you break it down to its most essential components it's just one scene where uh, where the main character has to do something in order to get to the next scene. And it's him sort of piecing together information. Okay. And so there's a lot of movies like this where they're running from one and they go, they get a name from someone so then they go to that person and mm-hmm. then they get a place from that guy so then they go to that place. But one of the things that Chuk, uh, Park Chan-wook does so amazingly is, again, approaching things sideways and just accumulating these very odd details. These aren't he doesn't go to a scene and then that that person tells him where to go next it's 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 this like you know you the way this movie could easily have been made and i don't know it, i i i was thinking when i was watching it like the first 100 minutes you you understand completely why hollywood like wanted to remake it oh, and then the are. last 20 you realize why they haven't yet <laughs> it? it's
2: october 13th next year
0: it's it, yeah it's definitely who's coming doing out it now? is it spike, spike, spike lee, lee? Yeah. spike lee josh, josh Brolin. Brolin.
2: Charles Copley is the bad guy. Wow. Elizabeth, Samuel L. Jackson. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen, Olsen is his. So they are doing or. it. It's, I
0: thought it was still in limbo. No, no. It's yeah. filmed
2: in filming October next year. Uh, yeah. I have my um, doubts. They're doing a Lady Vengeance remake. Yeah, well, I
0: mean. Oh, when, wow. When, <laughs> one thing's
2: Charlie think. Theron.
0: Yeah, one of the things mm. I'm thinking about with this is, like, mm. um, because it's so contrived and because every aspect of what has to happen <gasps> in order uh, for uh, G, uh, for Wu Jin Lee's plan to work has to be so perfect, uh-huh. this could have been a movie where it feels like Odesu has no agency of his own, and that would have been a very... Like, I one of my main problems with David Fincher's The Game is that it's hard to... It, it's not compelling for me because... You don't feel that any of it is Michael. You feel like Michael Douglas being taken on a tour, as opposed to Michael Douglas is getting places on his own. Um, and I think in mm. this, because uh, it's such odd details and it's such specific sort of investigative things that Odesu does to get where he gets. Um, like, and he goes so you know, like there's a million places where the movie could have ended if Odesu wasn't able to take oh. out the. <laughs> Logically, it doesn't make a. Whole no, lot. no, 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 no. So I'm saying, yeah. but none of them do. But. Someone who didn't have more confidence in making a surreal movie would have tried to write that off by saying oh, oh this yeah. whole way here's why you were I able to would find- have
2: explained it more Yeah, mm-hmm, would have gotten mm-hmm. too deep into it. No he trusts you to go along with the story and that's in Min Choi's performance he takes you with the story right. like he gets you emotionally invested and involved in it to a point where you're willing to overlook oh yeah that doesn't really make any sense well, it's a lesser film where you start to ask those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. The great filmmakers take you in and you suspect Disbelief, and only after yeah. only seven years later, when you're talking about that, and, he,
0: and that's do you I care? mean, in putting a lot of heavy narration up front, and putting sort of yeah. the special effects of the ants coming out of him, and, yeah, yeah, and just the the fact that the whole concept is absurd. Like right. he, you you swallow a whole you swallow a whole lot of artifice. He it's swallows a, a whole
1: lot of octopus. Yeah, that's
0: right. swallows a whole five lot
2: times <laughs> he did that scene. Um, and it was I will alive say, Jesus Christ! In, in this, that's in, your little trivia for the day. Nice.
0: In uh, in this and Lady Vengeance he he does tell the story in these details so subtly that there are point point there are points in it where i don't know how they got there where like for example lady more ladies la- yeah some. more and lady uh-huh. but there are like for example yeah. uh i don't know who the hairdresser he talks to is or how he found her in boy yeah how he found her Like it. One point, he's looking through a yearbook, but that like she just happened to be one Uh, classmate that he picked at random. There was like an advertisement for a hairdresser, but
2: it's someone he knew from school. Mm -hmm. That's what I got out of it. Yeah, that it was one of his few connections still to that time. Mm Yeah, that didn't bug me. Uh, like, and the idea that there's a place where you can pay someone to be in prison for 15 years—that bugged me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that,
0: that but but uh, also, what exactly happened uh, with Wu Li and his sister? Did his sister? Oh, that's commit, a good question. Did his sister commit suicide, and he caught her right as he was committing suicide, or did she slip? I think and so.
1: I think that's what happened.
0: That's, Ooh, that that uh, that seems less likely to me than her like because. The whole scene it's is him holding strict. on her as if she accidentally fell, mm-hmm. and it's
2: a visual mirror of the scene on the roof. Yeah, where, where, the the scene that. Yeah, opens oh, that's it true. Maybe
0: he's right. trying to imply suicide by the fact that the guy yeah. who is hanging mm-hmm. off the. Yeah. That was that was confusing to me because depending on how she died, either he could feel incredibly guilty or or a lot of Wu Lee's guilt.
2: And what exactly happened with his sister is kind of left ambiguous. And I mean, there's the scene through the glass, but was that Happening before then I think so yeah. Yeah. I, think
0: it, I think it is uh, An ongoing relationship right. That's right.
2: certainly Somewhat implied But the sister Is somewhat hesitant At first When he starts To unbutton her shirt And mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff So It's all memory So when you Especially when you're yeah. In a movie like this When you're doing memory You're allowed to be A little ambiguous mm-hmm. And then that, and that's another way I took that Shot of her going, hold, Being held over the dam In that it's a stylized memory Okay. It, it doesn't, it, and it it leads to the right. the trigger shot, which is such a beautiful shot, uh, <laughs> where he fakes the trigger and then into the elevator. Uh, so I took that as a stylistic touch more than what actually happened. He maybe probably wasn't even just holding her over the dam like that. You're not supposed to take it literally. Yeah, you know?
0: but it's and again and that and the fact that he immediately goes back to that a few seconds after 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 becoming you know God Almighty and, yeah. and exacting his, his revenge done. exactly as he wanted to.
2: Greek tragedy. Your job's mm-hmm. done. You die. Exit stage left.
0: Well, it's you would, it, but it doesn't come across as. I have nothing left to live for so I kill myself it, to me it came across as he thought that the revenge would make him feel better because there's a the part where then where Odesu first encounters him in the apartment he says you want to kill me? do you think that's going to feel fine? or do you think uh, or, or do you think it's just going to come back a few minutes later? Yeah. there's a part of me especially
2: watching it this time that didn't that asked myself if that wasn't all part of the plan that once he, Odesu opens the box he knows he's going to shoot himself that, it, that that's the final act, mm. and that this is just his final memory. So he just went through. In other words, it hmm. wasn't a spontaneous in the moment decision. It was what he wanted to do. But and that could be wrong. Just an interpretation.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I was unusual. I for was, him choose to do it in the elevator.
2: I mean, he didn't want to do it in front of him. He wanted to do it away somewhere else. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Just a thought.
0: Yeah, that I think. That, I think doing it in the elevator is part of what made me think, think it was it's more uh, yeah. a guilt thing than a. Right, it's a undone thing because.
2: Oh, you think he's guilty over what he did to Odesu or to his sister? To his sister, to his sister. sister. Yeah, I,
0: I think that's. Part so he's the,
2: been blinded by vengeance for so long that now that the vengeance is done, the guilt seeps back in. Yes, guilt. exactly. Absolutely. I like that. I he like just, that interpretation. He just
0: placed his, his, his guilt, guilt onto vengeance. Odesu. Yep. Yeah. Um, because, That's again, like, That's a with Freudian every, theorization of trauma. Yeah. Well, but, with every other, uh, but with every other aspect of his plan, it's so, like, the fact that he wouldn't just sit down in a bed <laughs> and kill himself <laughs> or something. Like
2: I like that interpretation, that yeah. vengeance blinded him for so long. Because the movie's about vengeance blinding right. you. Right. So it blinded him for so long that the guilt seeped in after his vengeance was done yeah the one
0: and the one thing that i i do what you're saying with the final smile with Odesu's smile how pained and strained it is but the one thing that sort of made me think this isn't as you know sort of black and uh, as as downbeat as the ending is that that midu never never learns Right. And it, it could have easily ended with her learning as well just, and everyone being punished. But the fact that Meadu never learns and the fact that, you know, it's obviously, you can't say that that a man having a, having a sexual relationship, relationship with, a sexual relationship with his daughter... Know. He's been hypnotized yeah. out of it. That's a happy ending. You can't say that's <laughs> a uh, quote-unquote happy ending, but...
2: Well, then there's a shot of the mountains and the happy music that ends it all. I mean, you, you see them looking off into the... The distance is the actual final shot. Right, and that's... And (laughs) and Park has said that that was intentionally ambiguous to let you know that either you can look at it as they're totally fine, they're looking Mm -hmm. to their future together, he doesn't know anything, or these are the
0: mountains they have to climb and it's a dark ending. So it's
2: however you want to take it. I
0: guess ignorance
2: is
1: bliss,
0: uh, right? (laughs) I I think the fact that the only way you can get away from the cycle of vengeance is to hypnotize is, it out is, of your brain not only hypnotize it out of your brain but then accept a reality which is so repugnant yeah. like yeah. that is the point of the movie it isn't you know is that there is no good way to get out of this sort of <laughs> right
2: and then the, there's an interesting aspect to Old Boy, which is that the characters in Sympathy all do things that are essentially horrific mm-hmm. like except for,
0: R- except for the sister who uh, the, the sister who kills right. herself yeah
2: right okay but Ryu kills a kid yeah yeah uh, Odaisu didn't even really start a rumor. I mean, he kind of started a rumor. There's an interesting aspect as to how overblown the vengeance plan is against some one person who didn't even know what he had done. Uh, And that creates a different tone than Sympathy Mm -hmm. had, for sure. Uh, Because in Sympathy, you can say, okay, maybe these people deserved a little bit of their fate. Odaisu didn't deserve anything (laughs) like his fate.
1: Yeah, it's like a lack of (laughs) self-awareness. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) So that's an interesting tonal um, shift from movie to movie as well. Sure. I and think... then Lady, if we're gonna get into Lady Absolutely it goes back to being a little more cut and dry in that Lady's essentially a fairy tale. Um, yeah. Lady Vengeance is about a woman who's falsely accused of murder, uh, goes to jail for it, and then basically it, it, it opens with a scene of Santa's or people in red Christmas outfits. <laughs> Uh, who, are, who are going to greet her on her way out of prison. They've been, She's been such a good uh, prisoner, and she's helped people out, and they're going to greet her, and she'll be happy to rejoin the world. And she walks right past them. She's got a different goal. She's got to enact her vengeance on the man who not only framed her, but killed a kid and has killed kids since then. And he's the big bad wolf off in the woods. It's mm-hmm. a very clear... She is in the right in her quest for vengeance, and he is evil. Yeah. whereas sympathy and old boy have much more gray areas right. of who's right and who's wrong and what their motives are you know in lady from beginning to end that she's a good person <laughs> she helps people out in prison i mean she's going to do bad things sure. and the
1: but it's justified
2: well that's and then that's where lady gets really tricky <laughs> yeah. you've got the incredibly elongated end sequence the justice <sighs> quote unquote scene but which she, is very difficult to watch the thing about in lady life. is
0: it, what's interesting is um, you could say it's almost the same plot of Old Boy, where she's trying to get revenge over the person who put her in jail for right. it's mm-hmm. thirteen years instead of fifteen. But right. but thing about this is she was she like the anarchist girlfriend in sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. She you know she helped the kidnapping. Right. The, in fact, the very yeah. the exact same uh, rationalization that the anarchist girlfriend gives right. in sympathy is the <laughs> rationalization that that uh, the big bad wolf. Uh, played by played again by Min Sik Choi. Yeah, in uh, this gives, uh, or at least that she remembers him giving. Um, and it in this her vengeance isn't against what he did to her. Her vengeance seems like atonement. She's trying to, she's uh, yeah, because she was a part like, of it. it yeah, mm-hmm, she's yeah. atoning for the fact that. Oh, she was involved with the like that boy dying.
2: There's a sure. there's a heavy, tonal blanket of guilt and regret yeah, over yeah. the entire film. Uh, and it's just sadness, but in a different way than sympathy. Sympathy is brutality. There's a lot of bright colors and quick movement in Lady Vengeance that make it a different kind of tone than brutality. It's much. It's more guilt. I guess mm-hmm. that's a good way to look at it because she was involved, but she was involved under duress and under false expectations. Yeah, sort of.
0: but I mean, and uh, but like old boy. The vengeance she takes isn't necessarily equal to what was done to her, or whatever. But like, it is. I think I do think it's driven not. I think it's driven by guilt. I don't think it's driven by mm-hmm. uh, as much by anger though. She was wronged because she, it's not as if she needs her daughter back at the end. Like she wants to see her daughter to make sure her daughter's okay. But right. um, it's it's not as if you took my baby away from me. All I want is my baby. Like she. She, as soon as she's in prison, the idea of her being a mother to her daughter is just gone from her mind, Mm -hmm. and all that's there... And is the moment where she sort of there's a senile one of the women in the prison is a senile sort of spy, Mm -hmm. and one in her ramblings about God knows what she also mentions you have a lot you know you need you have work to do because you need to take your vengeance is that the is that supposed to be the very seed that starts the whole thing or do you think that the whole movie like before Mm -hmm. she even goes to prison that. She no, I think plan. that I
2: think there's a definitely an arc in prison. Yeah. I don't think she knows immediately what she's going to do. I think there's kind of a sisterhood of support I that I, I feel develops. it is
0: implying that I don't I don't know That's if there's the even moment. an arc because because what she it's says a, a couple times time time. that I've had this plan for thirteen years, which is she the does? exact sure. amount of time Yeah, which is the exact amount of time she was in prison. Yeah. She goes, I've known what I'm gonna
2: Well there is a calculation to the people she becomes friends with yeah, and then yeah. can then use on the outside. But, I mean, I don't know. If we're trying to decide if the minute she got in, she knew what she was going to do. I I, I mean, I'm not sure she knew every I would say
0: that one of my main problems with this movie is that the character of uh, Gumjali, the main character, is so – for so much of the movie, just by the way it's told in flashbacks – and going back and forth in time, and you don't exactly know what she's planning or even what happened to her right. mm-hmm. until well into the movie. Right. She is so opaque, you don't know who she is as a character. And it's hard to it's hard to yeah. feel a lot of emotion for her path of vengeance when you don't even know what her path of vengeance is.
2: It's his most stylish exercise, yeah. Yeah. I would argue. I mean, even more than Thirst and uh, some of his other films. It's just very... I when I think of lady when I think of old boy and sympathy I think of like even with old boy as stylish as it is I think of dark things and emotion. When I think of lady I think of visual images. I think of snow and I think of jackets and I think of blood and I think of
0: I guess blood mixing with snow. Even though even like yeah even in old boy where it it's requiring one thing I don't think I even mentioned about old boy is it requires you to be such an active viewer right in a way that I would say like most other films of its of its filmmaking style and momentum don't require you to be I agree like Fight Club doesn't require you to be an active viewer it just asks you to go along for the ride but you're going to be completely lost, in old boy, if you're not paying attention and remembering what people yeah. say. And
2: you, you mentioned Fight Club when you talk about old boy. I think of Memento. when Oh I think yeah, of old boy, in the sense that it's revealing the layers of his past and what happened. And oh, certainly that
0: in the sense, certainly yeah. in the story. But the way the story the, is told in, is mm-hmm. Fight Club. It's Fincher. The the formal aspect of it, but in Lady Vengeance, there is like literally in the very beginning um, when it goes through what sort of the trial and everything her leading up to being um tried and put in prison for the crime um and she she's under duress uh from uh, Mr. Bike the, yeah. the 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 villain of the film like she she confesses to this crime and There's a part, there's like one part where she's asked to say what color a marble is. And that's all you hear about the marble until an hour later when her daughter has a dream in which one shot has a red marble coming out. And you're supposed to have remembered she didn't know the color of the marble, but because this is the only other marble we've seen in the movie, this is like that is an incredible level, level of subtlety and an incredible level of expectations from the viewer that i really respect about uh have we, have we heard about of... the
2: fade to white version they no. released a version of lady vengeance <laughs> that starts in color and then gets more black and white as the movie progresses and by oh, the wow. end it's entirely in black and white wow like the color has seeped out of her life because it's such a colorful film So, and the That's final scenes in black and white are very interesting especially if you watch it again in Gannon color which i did today A lot of the stuff, like during the justice scenes, is very black and white already. Uh They're all wearing black. And muted. And and muted. Very muted. Uh, And then you've got the whites of the snow and stuff. I've got it here if anyone wants to borrow. That's interesting. Uh, It's in here. Yeah. Um, And they released that in theaters in South Korea. The fade to white version.
0: Was that like an additional release? Or was it like... It, kind it, of
2: like the Black and White Walking Dead season premiere that they released. Or The Mist. Oh, the Mist, yeah. The Mist, that's what I was thinking too. of. Yeah. They're, they're doing both seasons of Walking Dead and Black and White re-airing them on AMC, which should be interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, really? really cool. Yeah, that'll be kind of fun.
0: I don't think that's I don't think that show is visually strong enough to support that sort <laughs> I think of...
2: some of the early stuff is, especially oh, the yeah. Daryl yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the premiere, uh, which they have released on Blu-ray and Black and White, but we're digressing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But... So it's interesting that color, and we've talked about his visual composition, that they actually released a version where the color seeps out of her life as the film goes along. Um, I
1: like that idea. I think the aesthetics here is a little bit too busy at times.
2: I agree. I think Lady gets a little cluttered in both what you're talking about as far as storytelling goes, as jumping back and forth chronologically, motivations, characters, and the fact that you're right, we don't have as much emotional investment in her as we do in other characters. Because we don't know her story. It's It's a little... Something of a a flaw, the way the story unfolds, Lady Vengeance, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. It loses me a little bit. stylishly, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Oh, yeah. It Um, it
1: looks, you know, we talked about it being sort of like a, you know, a a fairy tale, fantastical. Kind of reminds me of like an Dovar film, with its layering and kind of like jumping back and forth narratively, and just the extravagant colors, the sweeping camera movements, and Using like a Vivaldi score, I know he did that too for Old boys in right. instances too. But I feel like it's a little anesthetized. Well, those are um,
2: naturally going to be cooler. Like we yeah. talk about fairy tales versus Greek tragedies and Shakespearean tragedies. Mm-hmm. A fairy tale or a Almodovar film is naturally going to be something that's a little more emotionally distant right. than Greek tragedy. But I feel like he had the theme
1: tragedy. here. But it's it seems like this time he was a little he boxed himself in a little bit too bit too much, and even I don't get that catharsis that I get with the other two films, especially once we get to, you know, the uh, confrontation with the parents and, you know, the...
2: But I kind of feel like the justice scene is the apotheosis of all three movies in the sense that it is the audience questioning our own morals and what we want to happen. Yeah, Do we want to see... Good people kill a man one at a time mm-hmm. because that's what all three movies are asking. What like, well, all by less, but the two sympathy movies because Lady Vengeance was called sympathy for Lady Vengeance at one point. Oh, the I don't mind asking movies, that question. For the two sure. sympathy movies are about that. Mm-hmm. They're about moral gray areas.
0: I think which it, I like. I think it maybe stacks it a little too far in the parent's he's a child favor. killer. Right, yeah. Yeah. like not only the child, like I, the fact that not only is a child killer, and not only did. He killed them and recorded them before he yes. even asked for the ransom. What was he going to do with the ransom? Oh, he's going to get a yacht. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it stacks a little too heavily. You can still, I show think... an
2: old lady killing a man, though, and then there's still a certain point where even jaded audiences have to go. Do I? Am I cheering for an old lady killing a man?
0: It's but it, it, in a movie as as broad as this, that you don't have as much investment in that. Those choices don't. Don't get. They don't to me resonate as much as, much as they, they don't should. resonate. And right. I think that's a flaw of the film. Definitely. If, if the film, I mean, not. I'm not saying the film should have been made this way, but if the film was made in a more down to earth kind of way, like say sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, right. it would resonate. By the more. time you get uh-huh. to the end, that scene would be a big showstopper. And right. as I is, I honestly think like I'm. I'm shocked at how how little effect that scene has, that sequence sort even of has today, on Completely I watched it. Completely agree.
2: today, and it didn't have the... You're right, it doesn't have an emotional punch. It played differently, it but did. it
1: doesn't have the emotional punch. Yeah. It plays differently in light of what's happened. It doesn't
0: even, like... I mean, you can take the implication just from the fact that it's a Park Chan-wook movie, but it doesn't even have the implication that the parents will still feel horrible like you honestly think it honestly sort of portrays it as a catharsis a little bit but then that mm-hmm.
2: scene in the alley and with her daughter and the very end of the film also has a similar melancholy and sadness. yeah and especially would if it was in black yeah. and white. well i
0: think that's because of all of the things that got wrapped up she i like she still has guilt over what she's done and right. she sure and where you know uh where uh, Mr. Bike like got his comeuppance, she will never get her comeuppance. Um like I don't think she I think in and I think the same way she, that She
2: served thirteen years. Not no, sure yeah. She thinks she needs more. She
0: but she served thirteen years, but in her head those years were just about turning herself into a, a machine for vengeance. The same way that, say, when well, we we're talking about old boy, like uh, the same way Wu Jin Lee Uh, The way I read that, where it's, you know, he deferred his guilt, deferred dealing with his guilt by obsessing over vengeance. I feel the same way. Now Now that what was wrong has been set right, all that's left for her to do is to actually deal with the emotional fallout.
2: But I don't think it's guilt, and I don't think it's. I think it's regret, and I think it's sorrow over the fact that she has lost most of her daughter's life, yeah. and she has devoted thirteen years to this stuff. It's a different kind of feeling than what Wu Jin is feeling. in oh boy, I, I don't think she feels like she didn't do her time, or or. And I think she does feel a certain sense that she's enacted justice and wrong, righted the wrong. But 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 but, but in doing so, she's. Seen horrendous evil, watched um, brutality, and been through hell to get there. I see that final scene as a sorrow of time lost more than anything else. Sure, Uh
1: Time like regret.
2: Regret. Yeah. Well, just tragedy of Mm -hmm. the situation and what she's been through. Yeah. Great movies. I mean, lady, watching the three this week. To be honest, and I know we're, we're talking glowingly about Park, all three movies kind of didn't hold up quite as well as I thought they would. I think I was in an Asian sensation yeah, when I saw sure. them back in the Actual, aughts. I, and, yeah, and and, but they're all very stylistically interesting and they're oh, worth sure. talking about and they're fascinating. Absolutely. I'm going to roll your old is the movie of the aughts around in my brain for a good couple hours. That's fascinating <laughs> to me. I do think it's really amazing that he's got a movie coming out, Park's got a movie coming out called Stoker next year. And right on the poster in the previews it says from the visionary director of old boy is there another asian film that to a mass audience they could say from the visionary director of
0: um but they could probably assassins probably just ringu would probably be
2: yeah but no one knows who that it no one knows who that is
0: but i no, i think no because uh ring started the american remake uh like i think if i, I mean, probably I say know from the visionary
2: director of the original ring yeah 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 <laughs> they would
0: do that but um yeah I mean, I'm interested, I'm really actually kind of nervous to see what, what's the name of his new film again? St- I love the preview. I mean, because, I mean... Super excited. Just based on, though. just based on JSA, oh, he did not write he it. did not write it. Okay, well that, that, uh, well that both Makes alleviates some nervous. of my fears and creates new ones, because... I mean based on JSA and sort of the English language parts of Lady Vengeance it's not that he doesn't speak English mm-hmm. but whenever yeah whenever a director comes from right it's from usually Asia a disaster and they have to deal with performances the fa- the language barrier really I agree. just plays that's just but he's
2: such a visual storyteller yeah. and if yeah. he can bring that sense of visual storytelling to the film which it looks like he can from the preview it's premiering at Sundance next month I'm mm-hmm. going to be there I'll let you know. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's probably one of my biggest Sundance. Oh, for sure. Tickets. I
1: could I could tell from the trailer that it looks great. It's, it's got some moments of visual we poetry. Don't, I mean, we talk
2: about how maybe these movies haven't held up as well thematically or on a storytelling. I, I, as we want, and I, but I visually, say, each have their. Strengths. Visually, they have held up so well, and, and we don't have enough filmmakers who tell stories and it, visually.
0: And I, for as far as I'm concerned, do, doesn't hold up means like I mean, Old Boy is the greatest movie ever when you're 17, sure, sure, and sure. you when like. Just when like I, was seven, when I was 17, I would never like, have Wait, loved you were the...
2: 17 in 2005? I'm old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I know. Uh, <laughs> but, like, uh, like I would never watch a movie like The Deep Blue Sea. I didn't look for deep emotions. I wasn't necessarily... Like, the fact that I knew it was about revenge was about as deep as I could go as far as scratching mm-hmm. what it did thematically. Right. Like right, 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 right. Uh, like, these are films that were so dazzling. Um, and they are. And they, and they work so well together yeah. as yes. a trilogy. yes. I'm really excited they're, yeah. they're daring they're yeah. daring and
2: we don't see that enough in cinema either I mean like we've talked about deaf mute protagonists incest child murderers like most people aren't touching these subjects with a ten foot pole right. so the idea that someone made a trilogy about it and that it's been an international sensation to the point that you called one of them the most defining film of the odds. Yeah, for I'm gonna, sure. Gonna think about that. The most defining <laughs> film of the arts. But and I in really terms
1: excited. of like touching upon the theme of vengeance in general, right, I mean, It's, it's better than something now, like, I It's th- something better than like the Death Wish films. Well, okay. You know, I want to
0: ask you about uh, about these. Uh, um, I mean, we we mentioned before there, like you want to look at his influence. Looper is yes. is like very much a. Korean revenge movie,
1: although I hadn't thought of that at all until you said that, that was that
0: was absolutely just is. from the way uh, Ryan Johnson sort of shot it and the I completely agree it, it sort of that's what made me start thinking in that direction. I want to ask you guys about thirst because I've sure. I've not seen well, that. it's this thing that happens when you haven't had I'm something to drink for a very right long now. time. All right, what about shelter? Can you tell me when <laughs> we go through Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs? Um, I want to no, I want to talk about thirst because I'm interested. Where does Park Chan Now that he's done this trilogy This like That as You know As films They all have Their flaws But they're also all You know Striking achievements And together They You know They explore their, The themes of revenge Better than most films Ever made Like Where does he go from here Do you think Where
2: Well with Thirst He still Have you seen Thirst Oh yeah I'm really he's, excited about it. He this. still stayed with um, Taboo subjects That's for sure uh, he thirst is about a priest who basically turns into a sex loving vampire. I mean, yep. that's the that's the quickest way to put it. And it's about sin, and it's about which the Vengeance films are about as well. It's about paying for your sins mm-hmm. and atoning for sins. So he stayed, like so many great filmmakers do, he he stayed thematically consistent with the sure. Vengeance trilogy, but didn't go too far afield or or didn't repeat himself. Right. He didn't do either mistake. Yeah. You don't want to see another vengeance film but you also don't want to see something that doesn't feel like a park film yeah all thirst it, you, you see Thurston, you know it's from the guy who made. i think it, it has been,
1: unfortunate um you know case of coming out the same year as let the right one in which right. is why it maybe but, got swept i mean i think it made some lists and people certainly loved it when it came out
2: we nominated it i know Chicago well film yeah and nominated. the thing
1: is, is like the thing i had reservations about and worry was worried like I hope it's not another vampire movie where you know it's it, not. No, exactly. <laughs> it's very well, I thought like, oh, here comes the heavy-handed metaphor, of, like you know something like drug addiction. No, no, no. But it's really about, like you said, sin and faith and kind of like the corruption of it. And it's I, of I do want to ask:
0: is it a is it a horror film? Is it played
1: for horror, or is it <laughs> pretty, pretty much, much of it, yeah, some, pretty much. Of it. some of it definitely? But is. I still think it's like a operatic kind of melodrama at the same time right? Uh, I mean it's got some you know obviously it's Park Chan-wook he loves blood it's and a he, blood
2: transfusion yeah. that turns him into a vampire yeah, it or not. I see. so it's yeah. very innocent and then I think a lot of it is about lines we cross mm-hmm. when you are willing to drink someone's blood then what aren't you willing to do <laughs> Like, right, like, right. and it just kind of builds in momentum. These movies have that too. If you're willing to cross X line, you'll cross Y and Z. Yeah, and it sort and, of
1: explores like questions of morality too. But, oh, totally. Like, but, but, like our it, true nature, you know.
2: Performances uh, in that are spectacular too. Mm-hmm. Thirst, is yeah. The love serious, story right. that develops is yeah, really intense.
1: It's, it's you know the, the, the it's the, she she like sort of like you know feasts upon right. this power that, that they have together, and he's sort of like more. Hyper aware. He recognizes his transgressions. And, right. But where she's slammed, like, she's really wants to like just, you know, Yeah, it's got that this. devil on his shoulder type yeah. thing. Like a oh, yeah.
2: super. Or, or, uh, the films where someone is, or God bless America. The films mm-hmm. where one of them is a little crazier than the other one and pushes him along. Yeah. Um, Again, but, he's
1: got a real sense of control throughout this film. I love how it oh takes yeah. place in small, constricted spaces, and
2: he's so accomplished stylistically. Yeah. And, and and thirst is very accomplished, but like really Lady great Vengeance, sex scenes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very mm-hmm. like Lady Vengeance. He's starting to show a little bit of bloat with thirst. Thirst is one hundred and thirty-three minutes. Sure, doesn't need. It to doesn't be.
1: need to be that long. I definitely um, felt it's yeah, length.
2: You can feel some length. That's my problem with thirst. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think it's great.
1: Yeah, another very memorable ending. Too, I like so. it more than Lady.
2: I, I do too. Say.
1: I do too, definitely. Very good movie. Yeah, thumbs up. And what is right. the plot
0: of the uh, new film? Don't know
1: oh,
2: I know very little. Uh, Mia Wasikowska... Who I love. Who I love. Uh, plays a woman whose father dies. Dylan mm-hmm. McDermott, I think, is the dad.
1: Uh, father dies.
2: Yeah. And there's a little mystery as to his past and his uncle. It, it seems very Shakespearean. His uncle comes to town, starts sleeping with his brother's... Wife and maybe Nicole the daughter, Kidman. yeah, Nicole Kidman, and there's lots of violent shots in the preview, and who knows what the hell's going on. But I'm fascinated. Yeah. I think the preview's great.
1: It is a very good, very preview. good preview. Yeah. So I mean, hey, it, it's I'm I'm, since he's I'm an, a fan I mean, of
2: it. He's an interesting filmmaker. I mean, like we have said over and over again, he, he does. At least two things we've talked about a lot here at this table that not a lot enough people do, which is that he tells stories visually, mm-hmm. and he tackles daring, taboo subjects. Definitely. And he does so in a way that doesn't feel exploitative.
0: Mm-hmm. No. So. Except <laughs> that, that one part of sympathy for Mr. Bench. Right. Right. Yeah. Except when it comes to the handicapped. I agree. He's exploitative. I know, that was a little weird. <laughs> All
2: right, uh, we'll give him
0: that. Yeah. All right. No, I mean, I think. And of course, I, I I've seen the first forty-five minutes of I'm a cyborg, so but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I think it's and funny was...
2: that we both saw the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't make it.
0: I really wanted to though, because yeah. like you get he's a visual storyteller, and as far as comedies go, just surreal. No, weird movie. no comedies are made like visually anymore. They're yeah. all,
2: especially foreign films, where you're not going to get a lot of the sense right. of humor. But yeah,
0: and maybe that's maybe that's still I the think case. That's maybe a problem. Maybe it yeah. didn't translate. Sometimes there are there are, there's a little bit of humor here and there in the Vengeance trilogy that I just feel like this just didn't translate to me. But yeah, I agree. Um, so his dead on comedy was not am not a big fan of. Right. But um, I don't know. Maybe I I, I I do want to maybe go back and rewatch it just to I probably see will. how it how it resonates with his other films and
1: yeah, I am definitely curious.
0: All right, so oh, cool. should we go? Uh, should we go ahead and rank? Our, yeah, let's uh, give
1: our top. Th- I forgot to mention this to you. Uh-oh. Top three Park Chan Wook films. I can go first just go to ahead. get the ball rolling. Um, number one, I'm I'm going to go with Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Number two would be Old Boy. Number three would be Thirst.
0: Uh, sympathy and Old Boy are very very close to yeah. me, but I'm going to have to say Old Boy. Uh, then Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and then uh, Lady Vengeance.
2: Boy, before this week, I would have said Old Boy in a landslide, but Sympathy got closer on Mm -hmm. repeat viewing. That one held up the best of the three on repeat viewing without question. And that could be because Old Boy and Lady are just much more memorable. Like you have the images more, I think, in your head. Sympathy felt fresh again. But I got to go Old Boy. I I think Old Boy is an accomplishment on so many levels. Um, And then Sympathy and then Thirst.
1: Okay. Excellent. Well, what's on the next uh, episode, Patrick? The next... Oh, shoot. I don't know who the
0: next episode is on. <laughs> well, I think I asked you that on Facebook. It's going to be ago. the most
2: important movie, of The
1: odds Is
0: it a, but, is it Buster Keaton? It is Buster Keaton. Oh, it's not going to be The odds. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, we're covering Buster Keaton. We don't yet have a guest, um, but I'm very excited. Buster Keaton is one of fun. my favorite filmmakers. Yeah. It's going to be hard... Doing, I'll say right now it's going to be really hard doing a top three because yeah. so many of my favorite films of his are are his short films.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but uh, I don't you know. Gotta what give, you f- got to give me a list, basically. I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll lend you the. I have the uh, Kino box set, oh, nice. which so I pretty much have most of everything yeah, he's ever done. That's great. Um, so yeah, yeah, that I don't was have a, that. That's it's really excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then there's like a bonus thing. Where it has one of his talkiers, talkies. Mm-hmm. Which aren't obviously aren't nearly as good, but they're they're kind of funny anyway. Um, they those talkies. It's less because he's talking, and more because he's just too old to do the kind of physical uh, like uh, comedy that he did when in the early silent films. Right. But uh, no, I don't know what movies we're covering. Probably, uh, if I had to pick, I would probably say the General and Seven Chances. But uh, you know, it's up. <laughs> it's still up in the air.
1: I like Sherlock Junior.
0: I thought that was Sherlock oh, Junior is great. It's cute. It's not a feature, though, right. Technically, I don't think. I think it's <laughs> in between. I think it's like yeah. forty five <laughs> minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh,
1: again, I need to see more Buster Keaton. So I'm really. Absolutely, I'll it. admit it. I need to see more too. Yeah, yeah, and it's it all like oh god, it holds up so oh, well. Oh, I don't doubt it. Oh man. From what I've- from I just saw a I've clip
2: seen. the other day of him at the Venice Film Festival in the 60s being interviewed. He got like a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he was still doing like physical humor during the interview. He had really? A, he had a cigarette <laughs> and he had a Zippo and he pulled the Zippo out and he went to light it. And then he closed it on the cigarette and pulled the cigarette out. Yeah. Just a little bit he was doing in front of everybody. <laughs> awesome. it's like, and he died like a year later. Wow. So, uh.
1: Well, great. Um, so yeah, just visit us over at directorsclubpodcast.com. You can send
0: us an email, directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. That's another way you can send us your top 10 uh, of the of 2012. Yeah,
1: please do.
2: Thanks, um, gentlemen. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh yeah, thanks for being on the show, Brian. We really appreciate it. Where can people find your work?
2: Oh boy, hollywoodchicago.com is the best place. I also write for about.com. Uh, you can check that okay. out. And I edit a cinema annual called McGill Cinema Annual, and I pop up freelance all over the place.
1: Great. And uh, on Twitter, where can people follow well, you on actually,
2: Twitter? Actually, uh, at Brian underscore Talarico, You can find me on CriticWire, where a lot of my reviews will be if you just want a repository or Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Excellent. And you can follow me on Twitter over at Instant Jim as well as over at Letterboxd uh, at Instant Jim as well.
0: And uh, I'm at Patrick Repole, And I actually uh, have started up my uh, viewing journal again at MarthaMarcyNashAndYoung.blogspot.com. Uh, very so, good. Uh, so <laughs> I was really happy when I stumbled <laughs> upon that one. It's very good. Uh, so um, thank you. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. It was great. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks really for listening. And thank you. Yeah. All right.
1: We'll see you in a couple weeks for Buster Keaton. Goodbye. I was thinking stuff. for each movie, we could do it in the style of the movie. Like, for Sympathy and Firmish Avengers, Vengeance, we should be really low-key, subdued. <laughs> Just There's bang our hands against the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Just a dirge.
1: A mm-hmm. um, little confused like by that. the fact that he lives with monkeys, but okay. <laughs>